1: Two two cookies in there. They're broken, but I still ate them. I mean, you can't hate on just because they're broken. They don't taste any worse. You know.
2: Passer's wide open. Gets the puck. That's the only reason I do these podcasts is so I can hear all the amazing things about myself. So thanks for having me. And now I'm signing
3: off. I
4: am. Uh... Honored, thrilled. This is uh, one of the greatest achievements of my life.
2: I literally, I, I, I showered and I combed my hair for you.
3: <laughs> well, we appreciate
2: that. <laughs>
1: To episode fifty of the PP One podcast. So when you hit a big milestone like that, as the Canucks have this season in their fiftieth anniversary, you got to go big. I've heard another podcast; they went massive on their fiftieth and had like eighty guests or something like that. Um, We're not going to have eighty guests, but we're going to have a few. We're going to keep them all a secret, kinda, maybe. I don't know, but uh, regardless, this is a big one, and I'm so excited. I also have some massive news, which you've probably read on Twitter by now once this launches. Um, The PP1 podcast is officially part of the Dean Blundell Network. Now, if you don't know what that is, that's okay. We're going to coach you along in these next few weeks. They've got a pretty good lineup. Um, They are based out east, but they're building out their Vancouver side of the network yes we're not in vancouver we're fully aware of that but we talk about the canucks who are in vancouver so that counts for something so um look forward to the things that are going to happen with the dean blundell network i think it's about to to blow up and we're thrilled to be on the ground floor of this one as it does um ted welcome to episode 50 we did it man who would have thought when this whole thing started
5: that we were going to get to 50 episodes it i mean it I, I knew that eventually we were going to get, I didn't think that it was going to be in August. I remember uh, Brady was talking to me back in the very beginning about, Hey, like we should try to podcast every week. And I was like, bro, are you sure that's enough? Do you think there's enough shit to talk about, you know, once a week? Uh, you know, was, as we all know in Canuckland, I mean, there's literally stories that break that happen, you know, every single week with this team. Uh, and for us to be talking about hockey in August, I think it's really cool, um, you know, something to cheer about in an otherwise really weird year. Uh, and to be honest, I think 50 is a great milestone. I mean, I'm really happy to be here with with you, Ryan, and uh, what we taught here in the time being, but... I think the three of us have have caught along nicely and really come out of nowhere to find each other and, and, and just jump in on this podcast. So yeah, a lot of great fun in the early goings. And I, I look forward to, you know, at
1: the very least 50 more. Absolutely. And Brady is here, Brady, what are your thoughts on our 50th episode?
6: Man episode 50. Are you kidding me? Where does the time go? I mean, it feels like yesterday I was calling up Ted. Hey man, let's start a podcast. And here we are. 50 episodes. Man, I am buzzing about that. You know, we started off as just a little, uh, you know, three guys just talking Canucks. Not much has changed, but we've come a long way. We've had a lot of guests. And, you know, it's been it's been an absolute blast. And I can't wait to see what happens in the next 50 episodes.
1: Oh, I hear you. I hear you. It's uh, I think we're all buzzing. And I mean, recording this, we've been... uh it's kind of bits and pieces on this one. Both of you and I, Brady, were watching the this five OT game, Tampa Bay and Columbus, and like it couldn't get any crazier. Um, by the time this airs, I hope uh, this game has ended, but who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe uh, we record the Canucks winning game one and they're still going, so we'll see.
6: Yeah, we're looking at the fifth overtime right now. Twelve minutes left. Corpusallo has made eighty five saves. That is a new Stanley Cup play Stanley Cup playoffs record. He's 15 away from 100, and honestly, it's probably going to (laughs) happen.
1: We're going to get into our first uh, interview. We had Kat Silverman from The Athletic, from, I I guess, a little bit everywhere, Canucks Army. She uh, does some goaltending coaching. She's a running coach. Kat pretty much does absolutely everything you can think of, and she lives in probably one of the hottest places on the planet. We thought it was Kelowna. She proved (laughs) us wrong in about five seconds. Um, So I guess... uh, We'll have some other guests that you're going to find out right afterwards. But uh, without further ado, here is Kat Silverman. Well, we've got an amazing guest with us right now. Um, she writes for The Athletic. She writes for Canucks Army. She's a, a goalie guru. She lives in one of the hottest cities on the planet. Um, one of my tw- Twitter friends for at least five years since the, the draft day of Nick Merkley, who is no longer an Arizona Coyote. Um Kat Silverman, welcome to the PP One podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. I, I like being introed as I, uh, living in one of the hottest places on Earth because because <laughs> that's what it feels like. <laughs> Do
1: you have air conditioning? Yeah, what happens to like what happens to
5: folks down there when like the AC breaks? Is that I you mean, die? I yeah, I don't know how you function.
0: <laughs> that's, uh, it, that, so our AC actually broke last year. Um, I live on the third floor and really nice place really huge like managed to get a really good deal on a like really spacious place because um, it was on the third floor and about a week after i moved in in early august last year so right around this time um the ac started to go and i noticed that because i try and keep it around around the mid 70s which for the the canadian followers i try and keep it in like the high 20s i, I tried not to not to break the ac right like i try and keep it it's still cooler than it is outside and it started creeping up and it wasn't hitting what i'd set it to and so i luckily i caught it before the ac like completely went out but uh yeah there was like a a day or two there where it was like i was just laying there in shorts not moving (laughs) with like a fan pointed at me um i i run and i i also coach running in, in addition to goaltending and uh it's that time of year where, like, I have to tell some of the kids that I work with, like, now is not the time to work on your marathon. We had a kid pass out on us uh, last week because he, he thought he could train for his marathon, tried to run a 17 miler, got too late in the morning. It was like 8 a.m., and it was already starting to push like 37, 38 Celsius. Oh, and boy, uh,
3: man.
0: yeah, so, so it's, I hate it here. I, <laughs> I love it in the winter. We're, our trade off is we get really beautiful winters. It's like, it's usually like the low 20s um throughout our winter so it's beautiful hiking weather but uh yeah summers are usually I'm gone but obviously we have we have hockey back so I'm am, I'm am here in Phoenix covering a team that's quarantining in Edmonton so
1: Go figure hey we get low 20s in our winters too except there's a minus sign beside it Right <laughs> and snow and a lot of snow but, uh, Kat, um, I guess for a lot of our listeners, they may not know who you are. So maybe, can you give us kind of a, a quick rundown of what, uh, your, your professional, uh, self does?
0: Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I, I coach running. I also coach goaltending, uh, in the private sector. Um, I work with Ingle Magazine, uh, lots of Canucks followers. If you guys have those, um, you no, know Kevin Woodley, Greg mm-hmm. Ballack, um, work with them, um, been covering the arizona coyotes for various outlets uh most recently with the athletic um since 2014 so this will be my I believe my sixth full season with the team um i also write for elite prospects now and again once again that, that vancouver connection with jd burke yeah. um and occasionally when uh when wyatt with a. With the armies needs needs a little help with goaltending. I I slip in there too, right? Wow. Write a couple blurbs for for Canucks fans on Jacob Markstrom and, and Thatcher Demko. My my large adult son, as I call him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much me. <laughs>
1: Excellent, Ted. Do you want to fire away? Do you got a question for Cat?
0: Um
5: yeah i mean you know be, because we've never had anybody on the show before that has like such an in-depth understanding of of goaltending coaches and 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 how the position is coached i mean a lot of people think that obviously just goaltenders go out there and it's just something you do based on athletic ability or or size or lack thereof when you're talking about a guy say like mikey di Pietro. um but how much of an impact can a goaltending coach have on a specific goaltender and how do these guys catch on with franchises for years and years and years without them letting them go
0: Oh, they, I think a, a goalie coach is, is huge. Um, Cause a lot of people ask, they say, you know, which is more important, a guy who's got a ton of skill or a guy who has a ton of athleticism, like which one would you rather have as a goalie? And my, my big thing is the baseline for every goalie should be athleticism. You know, if you, if you don't have the athletic ability, you can't be a goalie. Um, This isn't, this isn't the 70s anymore you know you can't play stand up um there's a lot that goes into the position now and and part of that is is a mental side you know i think a goalie coaches is, is part psychiatrist part therapist part coach part conditioning uh conditioning instructor um sort of tying it all together making sure your technique looks good making sure you have the right toolbox and that you're not focusing on the wrong things for your toolbox you know you have to know how to make a good desperation save, but you can't focus exclusively on those. You have to have a really solid foundational impact on the game, and so that's where you said, you know, guys who stick with stick with franchises for a while. Ian Clark, uh, he's up in up in Vancouver right now. He was with Columbus before that. Uh, there's a reason he stuck around for a while. Um, you look at the uh, the Allaire brothers, Francois and Benoit. Um, they worked with uh, the Colorado Avalanche and the New York Rangers for decades and there's a reason those teams kept them for decades you look at guys who are able to to fine-tune Henrik Lundqvist you look at the fact that all of his backups have been similarly positioned to succeed a lot of that's not just the scouting and getting the right guys but it's the goalie coaching it's making sure that they have that foundation to go with the athleticism that's really really the mold the the athleticism is it's like the cookie dough and then the rest of the ingredients have to be tossed in after after that, the cooking time, you know, all that. And, yeah, I think a goalie coach is almost as important as having the goalie themselves.
5: Hmm. So Vancouver had a guy, obviously, Roland Melanson for a long time who worked with Luongo. Um, And it was cool to get, Ian Clark back. And a lot of us knew who Ian Clark was because he was somebody that worked with Vancouver beforehand. But how do those two differ in, in style and, and personality when you're a team that has somebody like a, you know, a goalie with a bit of a pedigree, like, like Markstrom, who just hadn't quite been fully developed yet. Do they look at who they're hiring and think that this coach might fit this goaltender? Or do we think that maybe we just hired this coach and the goaltender sort of adapts to that style?
0: Uh, I think occasionally they hire based on the goaltender. Um, We saw it in most notably in Arizona. um, John Elkin was hired specifically because he had worked with, uh, he'd worked with Mike Smith in the past and Mike Smith did well with Sean Burke. And then once Sean Burke left, he had a lot of trouble. So they, they brought in John Elkin, a guy who we would worked with in the summers, but for the most part teams try not to do that because your goalie, could switch every two to three years, you know, and you need to have three, four, five guys in your system. So I think it's more an an ideology thing. You know, Uh, I think Ian Clark and and enrolling Melanson both have the right ideology to work with the goaltenders there, whether we love Jim Benning or hate him, whether we like Mike Gillis or hate him, I think that they worked well with the general managers and with the coaches that were being hired. Cause if they don't mesh, your head coach and your goalie coach don't mesh nothing's gonna work you know you're not gonna get the right starts you're not gonna we saw it i i want to say that it's kind of what we saw in toronto when uh when mike babcock just wasn't working with the goalies the way that that team was trying to develop their goaltending pipeline and so i i I think there are some minor differences between roly and ian i think uh Neither have any notable difference from one another. One of them's not a super old school coach. They're both fairly modern. They both like to bring in new techniques a lot, which I think works for, like you said, a guy like Jacob Markstrom, who needed just a little bit of fine tuning, a guy like Thatcher and a guy like Thatcher Demko, who uh, came in with a lot of that, that foundational athleticism, but not a whole lot of refinery to his technique. He needed a lot of help with reining himself in and a guy like Mikey DiPietro, same thing. Lots of athleticism, lots of raw talent, uh, but we have, you know, we have a screen still of him during a face-off where he was, like, almost to the face-off. God. So working on his depth management and working on his technique was something that they had to do, um, and so I think, I think that both, both Ian Clark and Roley Melanson, the Canucks have been pretty blessed when it comes to goalie coaches in terms of who it is, but I don't think they necessarily hired either of them specifically for one guy.
1: So um, just to kind of go off of that, and there's probably a bunch of different answers to this, but when a team hires a new goalie coach, um, how long does it take for those changes um, once a guy's in to be tangible? Um, Maybe a veteran over a rookie goaltender, but then you also see on the other side, where there's guys like um you know Carter Hart or uh Cam Ward in their rookie year or even like Carey Price there's certain goaltenders that just kind of already are you know athletic and you know it seems like there isn't a lot of coaching but is there kind of like a time frame or does it is it goalie to goalie
0: I think it's kind of goalie to goalie and I think it's kind of coach to coach too it's a uh, some goalies come in and they need a little bit of time to uh to get used to the coach that they're going to be working with. Um, a lot of that comes down to the communication skills of the coaches. Um, other times you see the results a little bit more immediately. Um, I think nowadays you see less adjustment time than we used to, because almost every guy you talk about Carter Hart, he has a summer coach. He's had a summer coach for years. Um, you look at Carrie Price, he has a summer coach, uh, every guy has someone that they work with. Some of them have multiple ones that they work with over the summer. Um, and so I think that we see less of that adjustment when they, when they come to a team, because they're used to working with, with coaches year round at this point, working with skills and techniques. Um, that being said, there's some guys that need more work. And so I think that's more where, where that timeline starts to come into effect. You look at a guy like Jack Campbell, we thought he was going to be great. Um, really struggled when he was with Dallas things just weren't meshing and that was he was working with Mike Valley who's a coach he worked with in the summers anyway and even something just wasn't clicking there so when he went to LA started working with Dusty Amu another name that's kind of familiar for Vancouver fans Um, that took a long time and that wasn't that wasn't the goalie coach's fault. And that was they had to do some structural undoing of of bad habits that Jack Campbell had acquired, and then sort of rebuild his game on the fly during a season, which is kind of tough to do. So, I think uh, I think it really is goalie to goalie. Hmm.
1: Ted, <laughs> you just you've given us so much amazing info. <laughs> like, what can Looking we ask? Here? Try to trump you. Here. <laughs> I've got another one. If you're thinking, or is he? Uh oh, his microphones went out. I'm so sorry. There we go. But yeah. In the case of like
5: like Phoenix, for example, you got um, you know, a relatively smaller goalie like in, in Antti ranta and then you got a, a big guy in, in Darcy Kemper. And I think that when you look at Vancouver, you know, Thatcher Demko, although smaller than 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 Markstrom, is still a big goalie and both those guys I feel like are pretty good athletes. Um and D Pietro is a smaller goalie so for the goaltending coach how much has to change from from goaltender to goaltender and I know you brought up that point of that sort of screen still of D Pietro being almost up to the faceoff dot part of that probably <laughs> has to do with the fact that he might be a little bit smaller I'm guessing so how does that work for a goaltending coach cuz I feel like you can't just apply one scenario to a to a goaltender because everybody's shaped and plays a little bit differently
0: absolutely i had a I had a really good conversation about that with um with the the AHL goalie coach here in Arizona, Zach Burke. Um, he was working with Aiden Hill, who's not unlike Darcy Kemper. That's a that's a big boy. Aiden Hill, I think when he was drafted, was listed at like six three and he's like six seven now. He just oh, he keeps growing, yeah. He just keeps getting bigger. And uh and some of their other goalies that they've had in the system have been a little on the smaller side. Uh like you said, Auntie Ranta, that's a guy who's a uh, I think he's listed at six feet tall and I'm pretty sure that's a lie. Um, I use one of his cast off sticks. I'm I'm about five, seven, and I use one of his sticks and there's no way, no way six feet tall. (laughs) But uh, I think for, for that, you really do have to look at the difference between coaching the skills and coaching the situation. So like the coyotes are a perfect example. Um, the way that they coach Auntie Toronto with his depth management, he starts like Mikey Di Pietro up towards the top of the top of the blue paint moves his way in as the puck comes towards him finds his optimal depth and sets himself Darcy Kemper plays inside out so he starts on his goal line and then moves out as the puck comes towards him he doesn't need to start farther out because he doesn't need to look bigger he's huge. So they're being coached different ways on their depth management, but they're being coached the same way on situations. So the way that they play rebounds is uh is fairly similar. They both are taught to push the rebounds in a certain way. They both play the puck in, in a very similar way. They're both taught to, uh, they're taught to let the D go back behind the net and pick up the pucks rather than having them play as a part of the, as a part of the offensive breakout there. So rather than, coaching two completely different styles they taught them a similar system and then within that system they said okay how do we cater to your specific needs being you know six foot six 220 and then 5'11 let's be honest and like 180 pounds so how do you how do you adapt to that but within the same structural system and I think the Canucks do do something very similar with their team too
1: so you look at athleticism between all the Canucks goalies because we're a Canucks-based podcast And you've got a guy, Thatcher Demko, that's going into his contract here. Or sorry, Jacob Markstrom, I apologize. Um, Then you've got Thatcher Demko, who was drafted to be uh, essentially the next heir apparent. And then they have another guy, Mikey DiPietro, who you mentioned. And based on the goalie coach that is in place right now and um, guys that are coaching them uh, currently what would you do in this situation? Because realistically all three of those guys have a case to be made. i um, not necessarily Di Pietro. Cause I think he's still a ways away. He's not exactly challenging for um, a backup job quite yet, but at the same time, all three of them seem like they're on a very similar path. And at the end of the day for me, like I could probably make a case for Demko or Markstrom. And I mean, maybe they go all the way this year. That would be amazing. Um, and Markstrom's the guy. At the same time, I think there's a lot in Thatcher Demko that uh, that they like as well, and I w- I think they would be crazy to give up on him. Um, and it's also tough potentially to keep both. So, you're you see it as as a goaltender, as a goalie coach. What do you see in those three guys, and what would be the direction you'd go?
0: Uh, ideally, I think they take advantage of the fact that that COVID really has sort of thrown thrown a lot to the wind you know there's there's a flat cap a lot of teams aren't going to be able to afford to give out that big money free agent contract to the goalies that are on the market this summer um which is kind of unfortunate for Jacob Markstrom but that's that's a huge gain for the the Canucks you know they I think like you said Mikey DiPietro is just not quite there yet and we've we've dealt with concussion issues right I think Thatcher Dumko's had a few I believe Mikey DiPietro may have had one
3: yeah
0: ideally you don't go into next season with just the two of them. You you keep Jacob Markstrom around, because I think my my understanding is that the structure of how games are going to be spaced out is going to have to be a little different, right? I think we're going to have to start the season in January, maybe late December if things go really well in the U.S., which it looks like they might not. Um, so I think ideally you keep Jacob Markstrom around. You play a tandem system. You, you give Demko the opportunity to show that he can stay healthy for the full season that concussions aren't going to be an issue you give Mikey DiPietro Pietro the chance to really come in the crease for himself down in the AHL with I believe it's still going to be Utica correct yep. um,
2: and as far so as we you know, know you,
0: yeah yeah that's that's my understanding and so I think you you give him the chance to show that he can stay healthy so both of them go through a really solid year. Maybe you even keep Markstrom for two years. You sign him to a nice, friendly two-year deal, maybe with a little bit of a higher cap hit to it. I'd say I I wouldn't really rear my head at giving him four or five mil per, um, if they can find a way to wiggle the cap around, pay him five million per season for two years, that's decent money for him. It's not a long-term commitment. He can explore free agency, maybe when teams have a little more money to give out, even if he only takes 4.5 or four per, um because like you said there's there's a lot of promise in Thatcher Demko I think he has a ton of raw talent I remember watching him when he played in Boston in college and he was he moves so well but he didn't move very efficiently (laughs) you know he'd make a save and it would be beautiful and highlight real worthy and there was no need for it and I think he's really started to control that. But when he gets nervous, you start to see some of that exciting goalie again, so to speak, and and that's just a little less efficient. So I want to see him get just a little more comfortable with the pace of the NHL game, splitting the games 50-50 with Jacob Markstrom. You know, you give them both ample time. We might have games packed a little closer together. It gives them both ample rest, keeps them from getting hurt. You call up Mikey DiPietro if you need to give him a couple more games at the NHL level. It's not going to hurt either Markstrom or Demko to have a third goalie pop in and out of rotation while he's still waiver exempt. Um, and then you go from there. I think I think a short term solution though is really really the best answer for Vancouver right now if they can if they can swing it obviously. I
5: like so that. I mean, obviously, I like this this plan of keeping you know, all our great cards all in one spot, but with expansion coming, what do you think will happen? Do you think that Vancouver is going to explore trade opportunities? Do you think that they're just going to leave Thatcher Demko available for selection? Do you, do you think that they, they lock up Demko down the road? I mean, what do you think will actually happen in this scenario?
0: I think that's, that's super tricky. Cause, uh, cause like, like you said, expansion, I think there, there are quite a few goalies, that would be appealing to Seattle and and we've talked about them, right? I think Alexander Gorgiev with, with New York, or maybe even Henrik Lundqvist, you know, one of those two is going to have to go. Igor Shesterkin is, is the guy of the future in New York. And they have three quality NHL goalies there. Seattle would be stupid not to take one of those. Uh, I think on Ranta, you know, there's Aiden Hill and Ivan Prosvetov knocking at the door in the minors for Arizona, Darcy Kemper, while also injury-prone, has proven to be just a little bit more durable than Antiranta. I think the team's getting a little frustrated with that. Um, so I think he may be exposed. It would be kind of hard for, I think, for Seattle not to maybe take a stab at him. He had, I think, a 921 save percentage this year for Arizona, took over for the majority of the season. I think he ended up playing 30, 30-something games while, while Darcy, Darcy Kemper only played about 27 before getting hurt. Uh, you have a guy like Corey Crawford, who, once again, I think I think he's up for for a new contract right now. He's proven during the playoffs that he clearly still has it. Uh, Robin Lehner's in, in Vegas with Marc-Andre Fleury. One of those two is going to have to go somewhere, I think. Um, so there, there are a lot of names that I think Vancouver could probably try and dangle a more enticing carrot outside of the crease to keep one of their guys from getting stolen, if that's what they want to do. But I think... Like you said, there's there's DiPietro, and there's Demco. and then you still have Markstrom in the mix. So I think you could potentially say, hey, would you like one of one of our two prospects? Maybe work out a trade so that you can get something back in return for that, rather than letting one of them get taken. Um, but I think I think there are enough goalies around the league that that are really enticing options for for Seattle. But Vancouver, I don't think they need to be the most worried. I think that there are other teams that maybe need to be a little bit more worried than, than Vancouver right now.
5: Well, that makes me feel real good. I feel like this time around, uh, I don't think it's going to be like, like what Vegas did last time. I feel like they took advantage of so many teams. I think teams are going to be smarter <laughs> this time around too. I mean, uh, it, it almost needs to hope. be that way, but uh, I, I mean, I definitely, I, I, I appreciate you, you know, shedding light on all of the other goaltending options that are going to be you know, like you said, enticing carrots for Seattle to select from too. So I, no matter what, I think they're going to have a solid goal tending tandem moving into the next season for sure. And wouldn't it be crazy if that was like a Marc-Andre Fleury again? Um, But, but yeah, nuts. Ryan, did you have any other questions, man?
1: Um, yeah. I kind of wanted to take it into more of like a <laughs> silly fun one before you go to your super, Ooh. um, super crazy question that you had, Ted. Um, cat. <laughs> i don't know if it's super crazy but yeah we'll go from there it's it's smarter (laughs) it's it's above my smarts level so um i did a little series before uh, well once covid started um on goalie masks i got to talk to a bunch of uh ex-canuck goaltenders um greg harrison uh basically one of the founders that designed like the the modern cage that we see now masking cage um being that you're a goaltender and I know you have these feelings, what is your your current favorite goalie mask and what, oh, what is like your all this question? What's your all-time oh. favorite? And there there should only be one answer, but I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you see. I feel like it. not just masks too. I would I want to know also well, your favorite oh. your favorite setup too. I was gonna say we'll we'll add the setup oh. after. Do mask first though. Oh.
0: So so my current favorite mask is is tough. I. There are so many good, meaningful masks, um, but I'm I'm kind of like a squirrel. Like, I'm super blinded and excited about a Marc-Andre Fleury's <laughs> gold mask right now. I think that looks so sharp. Um, I know my least favorite mask um, is when Jacob Markstrom wears the one with the ears. Yes, that's right. I hate <laughs> it.
5: Yeah. I hate it. Such a hated mask, yeah. Ugh.
0: I hate it. I'm, I'm sure he loves it, but I hate it. Uh, all time. Uh, I mean... The Jerry Cheevers mask. It's hard not to love that one. Um, one of one of those coyotes prospects, Ivan Prosvitov, he rolled up to camp one year with a Jerry Cheevers mask with all the stitching drawn on it. And I asked oh, him because wow. he's from Russia. I was like, Oh, where'd you what made you do like a straight up tribute to that? And he went, Oh, I don't know. One of the one of the mask artists asked me what I wanted to do and it looked really cool. So I I I wanted that to be my thing. And so he did that and was really proud of it. Um but yeah I like uh, i think robin Lehner always has some good mask designs he had a, a sketched in flames one um for any any metal fans out there that was a fantastic looking mask uh i i, I think right now though that uh that incredible um the the gold one for flurry and then then my favorite setup it's got to be a brian's setup uh, oh okay they they do. They do it best. I know that Bauer's been working on the screen printing. It's been looking good. Just it hasn't been quite as good as what Bryant's does. Um, I really liked Eddie Lax. Uh, his millionaires set. I thought yeah. that one looked real sharp. Yes. Um, he knows how much I like that set. Uh, he's obviously he's here in Arizona now. He, he coaches with ASU. Um, I like. Uh, I think Auntie Ranta's had a bunch of re- a couple really good sets. He's had a had one with a big kachina logo from brian's and then he currently has a sean burke throwback set uh because sean burke also used brian's back in the day
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: and so he has that one um i think garrett sparks's trevor kid pads were fantastic uh, and the obviously the board. originals <laughs> yeah. the trevor kid pads are always good huh? yeah those things are loud yes um yeah that's tough uh
5: no you know stuff in there no which one no vessel stuff in there
0: no no i I hold a, a spot in my heart for Veitasvo just because of that 199 foot goal he allowed that's uh, a in my Twitter Bible <laughs> <laughs> although you know what my favorite my favorite pads uh, i'll I'll tell listeners to look up the University of Maryland pads uh Canadian listeners might not know what the Maryland flag looks like it's the world's loudest uh yeah. world's loudest flag and a kid who played for the University of Maryland they're they're a club hockey team he got the maryland flag done up in a pad Whoa. design and it's, it did you did you just look it up <laughs> oh,
1: that's exactly what i was expecting and it is louder than i yeah.
0: thought wow it's it's loud i love it um I, I got to talk to talk to chris joswiak he's the guy who uh who does the the pro the pro designs with uh with brian's he's the one who works with all the like auntie ranta and garrett sparks and all of all those guys who who work with brian's uh Yaroslav Polak, Eddie Lack, and
3: uh like he DPS, was telling maybe. me about
0: that. No, does DPS, DPS wear DPS. Yeah,
5: DPS was wearing Brian's this year and then I think so does Patrick. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say
0: I know I, I was pretty sure Demco did uh, as long as they're not Vaughn, I think Vaughn's designs are like woefully, woefully boring. Um, which is probably gonna make someone really mad. But <laughs> but yeah, I like a I like a good all black set. I think uh, I think Corey Crawford has the all blacks right now. I think that looks sharp, um, kind of like when when Mark Andre Fleury does his metallic gold set. Yeah. Um, I don't know how counterproductive that would be for a goalie, like when you see the the flashing sight lines um, every time you try and make a kick save. But, but yeah, there there are so many good pad designs out there, um, but the Maryland ones are near and dear to my heart. I was born in Towson, Maryland, so I think I'll I think I'll stick with those
5: fair enough. I had, uh, I had no idea that these Terps pads existed because I'm looking at them now and they are crazy, but I definitely watched. Aren't like those Terrap- wild? Yeah, that's so great. I <laughs> definitely watched like Terrapin football, uh, you know, and having like the red and white on one shoulder and the, the golden black on the other shoulder and then obviously split again on the helmet. I thought they did such a good job, but those are by far my favorite college uniforms. So to see it on a, on a goalie, with, See, the, with that kind I of pad setup, it's too bad this is a podcast and we can't show a visual a visual to our listeners but we'll yeah post it. Tweet it out. we'll post it we'll post it on the the preview that's that's uh that's bonkers good that's I, that probably moved into my my top five all-time goaltending pad setups but yeah um okay i had a quick question about um uh going back to goaltending technique and that kind of stuff because we don't get uh you know goaltending gurus on here very often if not ever Never, Um,
1: never. This is a first,
5: you know, we're trying to get Eddie lack on here, but that hasn't happened yet. So, um, in game four, um, during the, the broadcast, Cassie Campbell, um, mentioned that, uh, you know, Markstrom was having trouble getting beat up high on the blocker side where he was sort of leaving a little bit of the net open and that this might be due to reverse VH. Um, can you let us in on how reverse vh works and how that might be detrimental to markstrom's game when it's looking on soft side goals like that for him
0: Ooh, so so reverse vh uh, which spelled out all the way it's reverse vertical horizontal it's a it's the the reverse of the traditional vertical horizontal it's two different ways to play along your posts to seal the posts and then the ice along the ground um it's it's such a hotly debated topic when it comes to old school versus new school goaltending, and uh, I think uh, Mike McKenna, he works with the with the Golden Knights for their broadcast now, former former pro goalie. I think he did a fantastic job of summing it up on Twitter a couple days ago when when Jacob Markstrom essentially was having so many issues with it. You know, he just fell apart, seemed to allow all of his goals rev- while essentially with a reverse VH fail. Um, I think that same day, Sergey Bobrovsky had allowed a goal where he should have used reverse VH. Um, and Matt Murray had allowed a goal that was once again a reverse VH fail. He said, the failure isn't in the technique, it's in the situational usage. A lot of guys misuse it. They overuse it. They rely on it too much. And, and so basically what it is, it's where you have your, your inside pad, so the one that's along the post, vertical so you have your or you have it horizontal sorry so your skates pushed up either your skate or the toe of your pad is pushed up against the side of the post pads flush along the ice your other pad is sort of vertical or diagonal up towards the pad up towards the post you're wrapped around the side gives you a good way to hinge in and out from the goal line it's a decent way in my opinion. To prevent some of those poor angle goals, either on a wraparound or when somebody is down below the goal line, if you're using it and just dropping into reverse VH, anytime someone gets close to that goal line, but they're still above it, they're still sort of close to the close to the hash marks of the face off dot there, you're obviously going to get beat because it does drop you down lower. So it opens up those holes up by your head they get too close to you they can obviously try and slip it in over your shoulder bank it off your mask we've seen all sorts of things during the playoffs um but it not only gives you a chance to sort of seal along the ice there and along the post for when guys are trying to wrap it around um but it gives you a good way to push back across if you need to it's a really good way to to really just sort of seal right in that corner when somebody's behind you um but some guys do overuse it it started getting taught by goalie coaches next thing you knew they were all using it and you can tell when a goalie has just learned and mastered reverse vh when we're watching scouting tape or when we're working with the younger goalie cuz they use it anytime the puck gets close to being near that goal line they drop and they push themselves up against the post and uh i think i think it was just an off night for markstrom he just his decision making wasn't the best he was overusing reverse vh in bad situations Allowing some really, in my opinion, silly goals. I won't call them stupid. Um, he's he's still in the, he's still in the nationally great. Right? Still doing a, doing a much better job than any of us would, but, but yeah, it's a, it's a situational thing. I think if you don't utilize it, you end up like Sergei Bobrovsky when he was, essentially he remained standing, which left the entire bottom of the net open instead. And so a guy managed to just pop it in right through his skates. Um, but if you overuse it, you really do. You open up those holes up high, and unless we put just a giant marshmallow in that, there is going to be a hole somewhere. It's just a matter of reading the play correctly.
1: So, um, just just one quick question, Ted. So, looking go. at Markstrom uh, on those two goals that he led in, and we'll just use Markstrom in this case. Um, even though he was set up, is there a way to overcommit on that post and like really be essentially wedged, almost wrap your, I guess in his case is that his blocker arm that would be almost, uh, you know, glued to the post? Like, can you overcommit and then be even more vulnerable? Or do you think that he just wasn't set up properly to seal off the, basically, because he's a tall goalie, to seal a little bit more of that top corner? Because, I mean, it was an amazing goal to begin with. I mean, to be able to tuck a puck that tight that high is impressive i don't care how well you're set up but it looks like he probably could have stopped one of the two of those anyway and it just looked like he did have a bit of an opening um you know on that that inside post where if he would have maybe sealed up a little bit higher on his shoulder it probably could have been uh, more of a potential save i suppose
0: you can definitely uh, leave some of those holes open with a sloppy reverse vh um Some guys go into what they call a soft reverse VH or a soft VH, where they basically bump up against the post, but then don't put themselves flush against it, don't wrap their arm all the way around, don't completely seal it off. Basically, to use it as a decision-making point, they can either hinge themselves out so that they're facing the shooter above the goal line, but at a sharp angle, uh, sort of essentially push themselves out a little bit farther not stay so deep or flush on the goal line, or or push themselves back across. If someone's trying to go across the ice, they're trying to get trying to ma- either make a pass across the slot line or circle around behind the net. Um, but for the most part, once once a guy seems like they're set up there, I think you have to be flush. Like I think you you have to really seal it up there. And and for a guy as tall as Markstrom, he shouldn't be. Shouldn't be leaving those holes open in my opinion, but I think as soon as they go above that goal line, you have to hinge yourself out and essentially square yourself up to the shooter and not leave yourself flush on that goal line that's That's where you're the most vulnerable to having those spots up high. It's when you don't pull yourself back out, try and use your hands um, yeah that's that's really the best.
3: It was the best analysis
0: I have there.
5: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. That clears a lot up for me. And I'm curious to know, you know, if more goalies are using reverse VH or just regular VH, I guess if if that's what it's called. But I, I thought it's interesting that you noted that Bob's had a bunch of trouble for the same sort of stuff. And that's obviously another Ian Clark disciple too, right? So, um, but yeah, do more goalies use reverse VH than, than not?
0: Um. Nowadays, more of them do uh i I try and ask most goalies when I talk to them you know do you do you prefer one or the other regular traditional v h versus reverse v h Most guys have a preference just because it comes down to which one you feel more comfortable doing laying that pad flat on the ice and tucking your skate there and then having the outside leg essentially be the one that you launch yourself with or a uh, or having that inside leg vertical up against the post, which would be traditional v h um I can't remember off the top of my head. I think there's a handful of guys that still prefer traditional VH over reverse VH. Um, I I want to say Darcy Kemper at one point told me that he prefers it. Um, but most guys at this point have learned both. Even you look at some of the older backups in the league. You look at a guy like like Curtis McElhaney. I think he uh, he talked recently about how he's he's even learned to sort of Incorporated a little bit more um some of these guys that have been around for longer have started to add it even if they weren't taught it when they were growing up just because it's it's such an easy and efficient way to cover both the post and your goal line it's just such an easy way to it gives you so many options it's it's just when it gets overused or when it gets panic used i think is a good way to put it that uh that you can leave some really silly holes that that maybe shouldn't be left so
5: so it I mean I guess it's it sounds like it's all based on panic if you can stay calm and cool um then you're all good I mean that kind of goes all the way back to whole like having an athletic goalie but not coaching out the athleticism right I mean mm-hmm. knowing when to explode and when not to explode um I was curious um. You know, first off, congratulations uh, to the Arizona Coyotes advancing again, playing Colorado Avalanche. That's going to be a heck of a series. I know that's one that I'm going to have my eye on. Um, but with Vancouver also advancing and, and taking on the St. Louis, St. Louis Blues, I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are for those two series um, mm-hmm. and what you think is going to happen out of those.
0: I think those are two really up-in-the-air series. I think uh, I think whoever drew the short straw and got Vegas was going to get demolished. I think... Uh, with no with no disrespect to Corey Crawford, I think they're going to get smoked. Um, I think the Blackhawks are done since they drew Vegas, but uh, I think both first. right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think both Colorado and and St. Louis are really intriguing teams because I think uh, I think Colorado has a really good forecheck. I think they have some really good offensive talent. They have some bigger bodies in their lineup too. I think Nathan McKinnon can really use his body when he wants to. Gabriel Landeskog absolutely can. Eric Johnson. Uh, can be a force to be reckoned with. Um, but they're not as heavy of a team overall as I think Vegas can be sometimes. Uh, Arizona obviously doesn't have a particularly heavy lineup outside of occasionally Lawson Kraus, Christian Fisher, Brad Richardson. You really don't have a lot of guys that that play a very heavy style of hockey. So uh, I think that one's going to come down to a lot of goaltending. You know, see how how Philip Grubauer and Pavel Francouz do against uh, – Darcy Kemper and Auntie Ronta, who I believe is healthy once again, he got hit in the head with a puck during warm-ups, has been out during that play-in round. Um, and then for Vancouver, I, I really thought that they looked like a mess their first couple of games against Minnesota. I watched those mm-hmm. games with with my hands over my eyes, just praying for poor Jacob Markstrom. Didn't know what Tyler Myers was doing. Still kind of don't know what Tyler Myers is doing. Um, think a lot of penalties are going to gonna come into effect there you know you have a lot of really strong guys on the blues but then sometimes that's a team that that vanishes right sometimes st louis does does nothing with the opportunities they're given so and i think vancouver has some really scrappy guys up front uh not even talking about quinn hughes obviously that's that's a huge name right there you have kale mccarr in one series quinn hughes in the other i think that's going to be fun um as much fun as it would have been to see them play each other um but yeah, you have guys like a you have Quinn Hughes versus the entire Blues defense there. and i I don't love the defense on Vancouver outside of Quinn Hughes. So we, I think you we have, don't really you have a either. better forward core for for Vancouver. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I think those are gonna be two really fun series. I wish I had a better prediction, but uh, I think both of those series could go a full length I think both of them are going to be tough to battle out I don't think either one's going to be a sweep um like the Vegas series undoubtedly will be um and it's just going to be a lot of fun I think it's going to be a a lot of fun to watch both of those
1: the playoffs in August what's not to like I mean
0: right (laughs) I'd rather be
1: enjoying my summer but I don't mind uh staying in to watch uh to watch my team play hockey, and uh, it's it's kind of nice, too. I mean, obviously, for Canucks fans, we're all excited because we haven't seen actual playoffs with the Canucks in them for for five years we've watched every other team which actually has been kind of relaxing i've been able to just enjoy what hockey looks like in the postseason with no stress involved now every time the canucks have the puck i'm you know just tense are they gonna score up in the, a little bit yeah and yeah. when they don't have the puck it's just like okay don't talk to me until the shift is over so we could be in for two months of that we could be in for two weeks who knows but uh i'm excited um I think we could probably wrap up here. We've uh, taken enough of your evening. Thank you so much for um, coming on our, our little podcast That out of Kelowna, B.C., not as hot as Phoenix, Arizona. Not
6: as hot as Phoenix um,
1: first. Ted, uh, did Absolutely. you have any closing words for Kat? Yeah, Kat, that was just super enlightening. I, I feel
5: like I already know way more than I did before um but yeah i want to maybe just take like the next 30 seconds to a minute it's shameless plug time what do you got on the go what are you working on Ooh. what's new for cat silverman uh yeah give us the goods
0: Ooh, um so i've been been working on a podcast uh three cheers for goaltender interference um if you like punk pop music unfortunately if you like ska um, my co-host has really been on a ska kick
1: so was like no doubt um
0: He's been like he's been pushing it really aggressively. I gave him the keys to the Twitter account a couple days ago, and it's been like the worst decision I've ever made. Um, (laughs) But so we have some fun stuff coming out there. We're going to be talking about uh, Arizona. Just uh, we just got an announcement here in Phoenix that there's a new rink opening down in southeast Phoenix, um, and it's going to be home. It's going to be like the official home rink for our girls program, the Arizona Kachinas. Um, Cool. which having a, a rink that's designated as a home rink, like the the ice is going to be designed for them, like with their logo in the center, it's going to be their banners, their locker rooms, which to have that for an all-girls program is huge. Um, so we're going to be talking about that on the pod coming up. Um, have a couple goalie things in the works here and there. Uh, not sure how how those are going to go. Um, sometimes the, the goalie pieces take a while to cook up, um, but they'll be... I'll have a few coming out in the next couple of weeks or so.
1: Excellent. Well, I thank you again so much. I think a lot of our listeners, if they tuned in halfway through, are going to be wondering why we're talking about VH and not the sauce VH in Canada here. So we're not talking about teriyaki, we're not talking about curry, we're talking about a goaltending <laughs> setup. But uh, again, thank you so much, and uh, good luck to yourself. Good luck to the Arizona Coyotes, Ted. You have to put a dollar in the swear jar for same Phoenix. Oh
5: shit! Dollar did I? See I see it? Oh jar. Man, Did I? You it? Did. Yeah,
1: you did. And we talked about it. You said you weren't going to do it, so but I I played by the rules. But uh, yeah, Cat, thanks so much. Um, hopefully, we can uh, chat again, and uh, maybe I'll see you around the old Canucks Army site.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. No
1: problem. All right, so we got our buddy Rich Abney's back. Somehow he agreed to do this again, mainly because we had a few things we wanted to chat with him. Um, He had some story about a jockstrap, something about Troy (laughs) Stetcher, and I don't even remember what the other thing was. He was going to get into why his his job title is a legit thing, and he isn't a concierge at the college, but... um, Rich, welcome back. You're episode fifty with us, man. I'm two time. I'm a two time, two time
4: guest on the PP One podcast. How many repeat uh customers have you had? I don't know. Am I, I the I first think, one? I think,
5: I think this is the first two time two time. Wow. Yes. Yeah,
1: we don't give out awards genius. though, so you're just gonna have to remember this happened.
4: No, that's fine. Huh. I will uh I'll be ordering a plaque, so that'll be fine. You know, that's yeah. this is great. Thanks for having me. I had a blast last time. My mom listened, she was uh, marginally embarrassed by my uh, <laughs> By my appearance, but uh we hung in there.
5: Podcast, though, I mean, you know,
4: like your actual appearance. Or fun fact: I showered before this. <laughs> More of a mental shower, though, a bit of a, a bit of an emotional cleanse, a bit of a oh. rinse. You know, I was like, hey, sure, the hair looks good right now, but I just needed to, I needed to get in that game mode. So, so good you know, you put that, hat that on day. On, you
5: had know? on. Yeah, wash that day away. Exactly. Uh, when we had Brad Mayoff, he was like flex oh is this is this is this a is this a podcast i i, I thought maybe it was just i've combed my hair for you guys like i <laughs> i don't even remember last time i said the words i like combed my hair but yeah um yeah man i think you're all good and maybe mom will get a, a screenshot we'll take a pic or something set it to yeah
1: me. perfect well thank you for having me so what have you been up to since the last time it hasn't been that long but a lot's happened a lot
4: has happened. When did we talk last? Was was were sports even a thing at that point? Sports we wasn't no, I don't no, think we're I sportsing think yet. We're yet. We're hoping for sports, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, what a development on a bunch of different levels that we've had. I've been consuming a ton of sports. I just discovered my health app on my iPhone. And uh I don't want to be one of those guys that counts as steps, but I've recently been getting into counting my steps and i'll tell you what you can tell the days where i sat and watched like three nhl games in a row and then like the ufc had a show on in the evening and because i put together like a less than one kilometer walked total which is like you know 10 or 11 trips to my fridge and three or four trips to the bathroom sort of thing so uh i've been doing a ton of that and it's been excellent to have live sports and what about you guys i mean how how exciting as canucks loyalists are you to uh do we call that a playoff series win? What are we calling that right now? Did we say they won a playoff series or no? It, it had a I'm feel.
1: Gonna, I'm going to say that. Yeah, it had yeah, the feel. It feels like yeah. it. It's weird to say we're going into the playoffs and they're playing the first round, so it's like a prequel. So it's, Yeah. You know. Do the stats count towards playoff stats? I think they said, yeah, they do. Oh, okay, wow. So that's
4: kind of interesting. Then I don't I feel think like anyone playoffs, put up... Man. Yeah, it has to be. You're right. Yeah, I don't know if anyone put up huge numbers. Aho, I think, had eight points in three games, so that's pretty good. Quentin Hughes, but- Hughes at six. six points. Yeah, so, I mean, may- maybe there'll be an asterisk, as we talked about in the last episode, if somebody puts up, ties, goes 19 goals or more, uh, tying or breaking the record or something like that. So It could happen. Yeah, I mean, exciting times. I mean, I'm not as diehard a Canucks fan as you guys are, but, I mean, that was... That was awesome, Hawking. Of course, Canucks Twitter, which you guys are very proudly a part of, I see now attacking Kale McCarr for no reason again. Uh-huh. It's just <laughs> doing weird yeah. things.
5: Yeah, attacking Kale McCarr, <laughs> attacking, uh, attacking just... Gillis, attacking uh, Gilman. I mean, there's all sorts of weird shit. There's always
1: angst there's... for some reason. Still, like the, yeah. the I don't McCarr get the McCarr
4: thing is so odd. He's like a 19 a year old who didn't even play in this round of the playoffs, and and he's playing against but better hockey teams right now yeah, you know he yeah. put up one point in three games and people were like really and like so the Vancouver Canucks Twitter was angry at even the we don't even know what's happened in the Calder vote yet and they're they're preemptively upset with uh the AJHL's alum Cam McCarr. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> good shout out there I like that yeah, yeah. Brooks Bandits Woo! there you go
5: yeah it's- yeah it's very strange I mean people people get bent out of shape I feel like there's this like weird underdog mentality in, on Canucks Twitter right now, and and there's such a separation between people who are Benning supporters and people who are not Benning supporters, and sure. you feel like if you're not a Benning supporter, then you must be a Gillis guy or whoever else, um, and you're just wishing ill will on the team if you don't support Benning, and and then all this stuff just flies out, right? People people hating on Gilman uh, because of what happened in, in Leafs land and that collapse and blaming him for things that he had nothing to do with on that franchise. So, I mean, super strange. And, and I, and I hope they keep going back to the woodwork to attack these old figures uh, and finding new ones like you sit and kill in the car, too. So well,
4: strange. When the scout, uh, what was the name of that head scout that parted oh, ways? with Judd the Brackett. War,
5: Judd Brackett, yeah.
4: That was all over my timeline, as though people are somehow, they know exactly the conversations between scout and general manager, like in the war room, you know? I'm sure you guys had your opinions on it, but it's... Uh, well, I was there. I, I mean, It's so divisive. <laughs> exactly. It's you like, were in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Team Judd, I was like, I was like Dude, let's relax. Are we going to get
1: t-shirts? Is it going to be a Twilight thing, or...? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll
4: get the Judd's
5: t shirt, like old school. <laughs> I wonder really which good. which one are you
1: gonna be Naomi or Winona or which one? I think i more of like an Ashley Judd.
5: Oh <laughs>
4: <laughs> She was uh the star of Double Jeopardy, of course. That's I was gonna to say that. F- filmed in Prince George B C, baby. No, no kidding. Way, I had no idea. And Not that was did, before
1: yeah. you got big there.
4: Yeah, once Ashley left town, and then Ben Affleck shot Reindeer Games here, so there was a big void. (laughs)
1: That you go from from one absolute blockbuster to yeah, uh, but that was sort of Charlize
4: Theron, like a real breakthrough for me and her in that you know in a lot of ways. I, can you can you get in more to depth on on why? <laughs> Did you watch exactly?
5: this the the new Charlize Theron movie on Netflix? I try not to guard? miss
4: any Charlize Theron movie. What's it called? Old, Old guard. Old guard. Yeah. No, I haven't seen. It's, but they're like immortal, and they've been
5: fighting the good fight for hundreds of thousands of years, or some shit like that. Was no. it like Air She's a great or?
4: actress, though. Like Mad That's... Max, she was awesome, and that Monster, was she was awesome. Yeah, yeah.
5: super babe. Uh, she was really good on that episode of Hot Ones as well
4: oh yeah hot ones what a yeah. what a racket that guy has going too yeah Isn't he's got it? it out
1: yeah i wish i had a show Charlize. like that hey
4: is charlie's the number one who's your guys hollywood crush can we ask that question on here? oh that's a tough it one, could be by that. the way it could be a male you can be like i crush on harrison ford he's just such okay a, so i'm gonna i'm gonna go
1: both to i got both so okay. my my okay. my male one and my yeah. wife knows George Clooney. I love George Clooney so, mm-hmm. so much. What do you love about him? I I couldn't tell you. I think just because like he's Looks the like guy. The riff, saying, I don't know where this is going, but yeah. You know, uh-huh. with the beard, I could see it for sure. I I think just because <laughs> like he seems like the kind of guy you'd want to hang out with. Like he would be like that cool guy. Like I'm gonna get you into this cool party. We're gonna go like you know we're gonna have a good time like he seems like he'd be fun to like you know just talk with the boys drink a beer yeah. drink some wine but he seems super sophisticated too so sure. um, on on the guy side I'm like I've seen I think almost all of his movies um, out of sight being his best in my opinion even though it's an absolutely awful movie it's still my favorite that's uh, Three Kings Three Kings was oh, pretty awesome. good too that was that was a fun mm-hmm. one but uh, and then on 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 the lady side oh that's you know what? I'm going to go back. Uh, it's, it's kind of a toss. There's a big line up there, but uh, you know what? I still got to think for Alicia Silverstone. She was in a, a new.
3: Just she's, what? She's, Yeah.
1: She
5: was recently in that new uh, Wimpy Kid movie. She was the most.
1: Yes, and she was fabulous <laughs> in
4: it. I don't know what the Wimpy Kid movie is that you're talking about, but uh, she's the clueless girl. Clueless, yes. yeah. And yeah. I thought that's it. That no, girl. no. No, she was in, she's been uh, in a bunch of other She things. was oh, in she one just with just,
1: Benicio 200. Del Toro as well. She
4: was Batgirl. She was Batgirl. Batgirl she was Batgirl. Sorry. That's true. That sorry, was a good movie yeah. too. Actually, that was a good Yeah, terrible she's movie. A, she's beautiful, yeah. I don't yeah. know. To each their own. So Okay. Ted?
1: Who's I'm here? taking uh, over this spot. This oh, is the weirdest version yeah. of Dudes and Guys ever. Yeah.
5: <laughs> man Crush is is easily far and away Brad Pitt. See, he was my sure. second. S-
4: complete smoke. Yeah. He yeah. he
5: just yeah, smoke show. It can be like the, the grungy homeless man and still be mega attractive and then also be the the, the dashing a character so
1: hey it's ryan from the pp1 podcast on crier media if you're looking for a spot to advertise your company your brand your cheese wheel some beer maybe some donuts this is the spot Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94 and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that
4: sound? Yeah, they say he's a character actor in a, in a leading man's body.
5: I don't even know if he's a character actor. Every, every role that he plays is just Brad Pitt just looks different
4: yeah that's fair but yeah. he's played like when you think about it, like inglorious bastards like that didn't oh, have yeah. to be brad pitt but it was cool because it was brad pitt did you so, guys like, hear Glorious that story like, too or achilles he's, or... i think the best brad pitt tell me what your thoughts on this i think the best brad pitt is moneyball brad pitt
5: i it, like moneyball brad pitt Ooh, he's different role brad right
1: money. different
4: role there's not a lot to work with if you think about it right he's just playing like a he's a baseball
1: gm and it's like you can't he's in every scene I'm Bach Martinez or something like that. Like it's not he's not even that exciting. He's just yeah. like, hi, I'm Billy B. Moneyball
5: Brad Pitt. Obviously it's easy to the like the fight club, Brad Pitt is the yeah. easy out, or or when he played when he played the gypsy and snatch probably nice. was yeah. my favorite. you like Yeah,
4: Yes, so Pants are bread dangerously bread. low, that whole movie. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Uh for for the girls, uh I'm a I don't know where this came from. Huge fan of Karen Gillen. I don't know if you guys know who Karen Gillan is. She was the redheaded the redheaded Super babe on on Jumanji, on the first one, like the uh, new Jumanji, I I <laughs> because the old one Red had Kirsten Dunst and, dunce and we were ten. She but... was she was Nebula in the the Avengers series. We'll give you guys
4: sir, you guys both came up with like the most famous leading men in history, and then both yeah. went to, like the nineties for these no, obscure. No. Uh, no, oh, not the Jumanji not the that... first Jumanji. The new, the new <laughs> Jumanji. <laughs> I haven't seen this. Well, yeah, been... no. yeah, you got to get Sorry. on it. The rocks in it. He's also, great. Also,
5: big 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 Penelope Cruz fan too. That's okay, okay. Yeah. All right. yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, you
4: guys are dating yourselves. Uh, the correct answer to all this is Kevin Costner. He was who's... he was
1: just on for Love of the Game the other night. Great movie. You know, it, he's perfection in that yeah. movie.
4: Yeah, he, had he had talked really about Love of the Game, day, and yeah. they said yeah, yeah, they said that he was getting steroids pumped into his arm cuz like on the last couple of days of shooting he had to throw the he had to throw like 400 500 pitches. Oh. <laughs> so they were like he would go in and actual MLB trainers were like I got something for you cuz I was like the real heart of the juice era. Uh I loved you Kevin Costner. Field of Dreams is my favorite movie of all time and he's just a where is uh where's Bull Durham on that list cuz that's my favorite Kevin Costner movie. That is one of the greatest movies ever made as well. You can't miss. That guy makes movies about baseball and cowboys and, like and he, golf. He, yeah, he exactly. Ten Cups incredible. It so is. he's he's Americana and then uh the other correct answer is Julia Roberts. I can't chirp you guys for like going 90s with your with your female picks, but I have Julia Roberts is America's sweetheart. Those are all respectable her. answers.
5: Uh, I am Hundy P with you on the Julia Roberts thing. So awesome. when I was 11 years old, I I wrote a letter to Julia Roberts because I was so
4: I was so in love with Julia Roberts. Really? What did it say? Was it like did you admit that in the letter? No, I was or... just like
5: I, I think you're so gorgeous. You're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I yeah. Did you know, your writer, mom? Back? Your mom never sent that letter. No. I bet. No, exactly. Sure. It would have been worse if my mom wrote back to me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> like
1: we're, you're gonna have yeah. And this this week on the coach of therapy, then uh, yeah.
4: If Julia hears this, and I think she might. I hope she gets back to both of us. You know what? Well,
5: yeah, lots of lots of big things have happened in the last little bit. We moved from the 42nd best Canucks-based podcast, probably to 40 40th overall. I
4: think.
1: Hey, moving up. That's a big
4: jump. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
5: and then a, and then a quick add at the the bleen, blue blee
1: dean blundell network so it was a little win yeah
4: that's huge congratulations on that thank you this yeah, was thanks.
1: this mostly ted it's just his his demeanor his he just seems like so sophisticated and like people follow that he's charming <laughs> he is very charming he's a very good looking man too not like george Clooney charming well you know what if you guys were hanging out together it's a tough call <laughs> you put it this way ted you make up
4: for the other two and some yeah thank (laughs) you. like almost like they don't need the other two he's not here and he's still getting the gears
1: just a little bit poor b B. so anyway so we got sports back we got obviously this is a hockey based podcast so we should probably talk a little bit of hockey um and rich you've been following the canucks probably more than anyone else uh, during the covid um did you see that (laughs) did you see that that first play in rap
4: well, because I've been following them more than anyone else. uh Yeah, of course I watch. I watched every minute. It was fantastic. Um because you were You worked work for a you yeah. Work, like, you, he, he, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, so like I guess. <laughs> did, you, did, did you watch did the Did you games? get to
5: watch any of the St. Louis games? Because I didn't watch any of those games.
4: I saw one of the St. Louis games, uh, and they looked not that great, to be honest with you. But it's also hard to know motivation wise where each team is at like you don't get the intensity a game four game five even how you watch that game feels different than watching the second game and i know there's seeding and that sort of thing but and home ice advantage matters not anymore for fans but that last change is so crucial as you saw absolutely when you looked at that toronto columbus series oh oh boy you know austin matthews couldn't get away from seth jones or john tavares couldn't get away from that pairing that sort of thing so um that'll be interesting to see. St. Louis is just they're battle tested. Anytime a team's coming off a a Stanley Cup championship, especially the way that St. Louis won it last year. They're just there's not going to be anything that Vancouver does that St. Louis is going to be stunned by, right? I think I think the the media is trying to make a big play out of the Bennington versus Pedersen storyline, which is fine because we know that Canucks media and Canucks fans need something to hold on to sure. in terms of this is why we're this is the last offensive thing another fan base said to us, another player said about us. another Elliot Friedman can't tweet anything about Vancouver without getting attacked so I, I it'll be interesting to see what the matchups are you know if if it's o'reilly who who gets that that assignment against that line that if maybe um the lotto line gets broken up despite the fact that they looked really good in those last couple games of the Vancouver, Minnesota series. Um, we'll see if they try to do that so that they, that St. Louis has to figure out where they're going to send O'Reilly and, and some of the better puck possession guys. But uh, I'm excited for, what do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, can I go first? Allowed. Yeah, hit it, buddy. I, I just, I feel like I haven't talked in a bit and I'm just chomping at the bit for some reason. <laughs> it's not like I don't talk enough on this podcast. Um, <sighs> I, I for me, I see the Canucks as going in and this is one of those years where it just everything just feels so, so different. Like it's this this random like you know, the the upside down almost where like it's just like anything seems like it's possible. As good as St. Louis is, they've always matched up like every year like I'm going way back. Like it always seems like the rivalry between St. Louis and it's not massive, but they've played each other enough times. Um, mm-hmm. that it always seems like there's a lot to offer on both sides. Um, with St. Louis winning last year, obviously, you know, that you're, like you said, Richard, they know what it takes to go all the way. I wonder if, you know, cause you see a different team every round, you, you know, they offer different things. There's different challenges, different tests. I, I wonder what the Canucks are going to bring to this series that might test, uh, St. Louis, in a way that they haven't maybe seen for uh, a long period of time. At the same time, you hear a lot of these rumors like, you know, St. Louis hasn't exactly checked into the bubble, if you will. And, you know, they won. And, you know, there's going to be some guys that want the cup multiple times. I know anybody would be crazy to not want it more than once (laughs) or at all. But at the same time, you know, this has been such a weird year already. If you had a young family, and, you know, Bull Horvat just had a kid, Jimmy, or Jordy Ben just had a kid as well, you know, there's, there's those other kind of variables that think like, hey, like, I got a cup already, do I really need to give it, you know, that same 100% or 110% every single game, am I going to put my life on the line for, you know, for seven games, is, is it worth it to do that, or you know, are we going to see a series where maybe the Canucks have a shot to, you know, break through? Or is it the other way around where St. Louis just manhandles Vancouver and, you know, we all got excited because we beat Minnesota, but they're a way lesser team than the Blues are and the Canucks have no idea what they're in for.
4: Yeah, I wonder if the narrative of the young team that has to learn in the playoffs is increased or decreased in the bubble, meaning with no travel, no big crowds home or away quite honestly right like a big home crowd isn't necessarily better for the 19 year old kid right in terms of pressure for sure i wonder if that actually helps the canucks in a weird way um or maybe not i mean maybe it could be the complete opposite that this actually suits the team that's been through it before like a st louis that much more i i I don't know if i totally buy into all the narratives that we the media because you guys are very much a member of the media at this point um create if that makes any sense we sort of impose we impose on oh they're the young guys so they don't they don't know how they have to learn to lose before they learn to win and there's all these things that you hear and so i I mean maybe they're all true but maybe none of them are and i think if anything this year you saw that both 12s beat both fives in the in the uh playing playing rounds would it shock you if the one seeds lose the first round of this playoffs it wouldn't shock me no. for one second. This no. feels like the year where you could see a seven versus eight, whatever those even mean at this point, right? In the, For the Stanley Cup finals. I don't even know the seeds of the teams now with all the reseeding. I know that with Vegas and, oh, is it Philly and Vegas are the ones? Yeah, are, they're the one seeds, yeah. But, but what yeah. is that other than last change in a Stanley Cup final situation or, or excuse me, a conference final situation? I mean, it doesn't really mean much.
1: So Yeah, you got to get um, that far first.
4: Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I think that the Canucks have are brash enough. Their young guys are brash enough. Bo Horvat doesn't seem to be intimidated by a darn thing. Pedersen is unflappable. Besser's playing tremendously well. And Hughes seems like the best defenseman I've ever seen in a Canucks jersey right now. So, uh, And Markstrom, he's proven all year. He's one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League. So you got to like those chances, especially coming off an emotional victory over Minnesota.
5: Yeah, I I don't buy the I don't I don't buy the whole gotta go through your growing pains to win. I think that's bullshit. I think that's so old school mentality. Almost like the whole you know you're a rookie coming to the league, gotta pay your dues. Right. I mean I mean I remember that when when Steven Stamkos came into the league and he was playing on like the third line, uh, because hey a rookie's got to pay his dues. Like if the, if you can play, you can play. And I think all of these guys had won at various levels, so they already know how to win. I mean, they're in the NHL because they're winners. They're not in the NHL because they played on, you know, the 30th or the 28th or the the 26th ranked team in their, their respective leagues their whole life. I mean, these guys have won championships at some level or another. Yeah, the um, I mean, you know, horvat has got Memorial Cups under his belt as well playing in, um, playing for London, right? So, yeah, these guys know how to win. I, I don't... I don't believe the narrative because I don't believe the players believe that, Um, you know, tell me that, that Taves and Cain's Cain didn't, didn't think that they could win from day one, even though they did go through struggles. Um, I mean, it could have been just as dangerous on the other side. had, they just walked in and just steamrolled and, and, and it felt like they had the ability to do that too. So I think it's, it's neat for the first time in a long time that we've got some young energetic juice on this roster that, that really does feel like they don't know how to lose. Um, And we'll see where we go with that. I mean, I think that it'll be a, a boon to this squad if they can walk in and punch us down the cup winner in the mouth and everybody's good until they get punched in the mouth and just roll through to the next round. So uh, a puncher's chance, I mean, obviously, this thing stacks up in St. Louis' favor, right? It's a heavy team. Sure. It's a team that's more tightly knit from a defensive point of view. You know, I like the idea that you bring up, Rich, about you know, maybe this works out in their favor that they're sticking in the bubble, and there's some good veterans on this squad, right? I mean, they can sit them under their wing and and learn from them over a course of how many weeks this is going to take, and not be distracted by by outside forces, right? So, there's a ton of different narratives here. Um, you know, one last one, the Binnington and and Pedersen. Well, I think that's a complete joke as well. I mean, one guy's got a Calder, one guy's got a Cup. I don't think it matters uh you know pd knows he's a good goalie and i'm pretty sure that that binnington knows that pd's a heck of a player too so uh that's all for us right that's all for the media that's all for the fans um and the players i think they really just don't give a crap and they're ready to just go to war are we worried about tyler myers yeah
3: i think i'm we're worried about his tyler myers. <laughs> it's <laughs> borderline
4: dumpster fire that guy I saw uh, after the first period of that of that final game there that he was taking a penalty on eleven percent of his shifts in the series. He nice. didn't take one in period two or three, but like the, one out of every ten times he was on the ice through whatever how many ten periods or whatever that is, he was taking a penalty. Like that, that is unbelievable.
5: Yeah, yeah. I can't walk into this next round and take penalties like that and expect no. to win. Now a period. Yeah,
1: the other thing too with that, and I was listening on. Uh, one of the radio stations today. Some of that too came down to that. They had the whistles out a little bit more on some. like he's a big dude. And I don't think anybody's going to debate that. Obviously he's quite tall and, and and large and he was manhandling a couple of guys Would those same calls get made in the actual playoffs in the first round where, you know, guys are fighting for a position. Like, if he gets a, if he gets the upper hand on a board battle and he happens to manhandle a guy a bit more why should that be a penalty like some of it is a little bit lame like that one call where uh what's his pickle stepped on uh Stetcher's stick and they called it tripping or no it, the other way around and uh who was it that got that penalty I can't remember it was it was for for him. anyway it doesn't matter like it was such an awful call that like it clearly wasn't tripping but because you know it the optics were that way all of a sudden Minnesota gets a power play like there was yeah, but awful other...
4: calls happen all the time. Guys that's what step I'm saying. Tyler, Tyler Myers took nine or ten minors in four
1: he games. All I'm it's saying is, much. I'm just saying a handful of those weren't necessarily like true penalties. He still took way too many, but I'm not saying all of them were legit. Like that, you would say, sure. "Man, you got like." But let's he took six in four games. Sure, so that's too like many. I said, that's it is. It's still too many for sure. So he's got yeah. to dial that in.
5: Well, at the end of the day, you still have to be responsible for your own stick. I mean, yeah. he's got it in a position where it's in somebody's feet. Shouldn't happen. I'm glad that he's got a long stick and he should be doing it to, to knock pucks away and stuff like that. There was a couple of penalties in there where he came to defense of another teammate. I'm, I'm sure I can excuse all that stuff, but most of it is just carelessness. And I won't I won't be on the bandwagon of Tyler Myers is big, therefore he's getting calls called against him, right? I mean, small players in this league... Uh, don't get anything from the refs in my opinion i think they have to work for every inch of space that they play for and just because you're a big guy doesn't mean the game is hard against you right the hard the game is just as hard against guys that are like troy stetcher as they are against guys that are like tyler myers for completely different reasons so i don't buy into that i think a lot of it has to do with positional um positional play you know how he is managing guys that are trying to beat him wide how he is dealing with guys in gap control and to me he looks like he's running around a little bit, I and mean, he looks solid on a breakout when he's got the puck on his stick. I can give him a little bit of credit there, but as soon as we get running around on our own end a little bit,
4: yeah.
5: Tyler Myers specifically looks lost, uh, and, that's and this like is a guy super... that's been in the
4: league for like eight years or whatever. He's a yeah. rookie know, of the year. Yeah,
5: you should know by now, right? right? I mean, we're he's being paid like a. You know, essentially like a number one defenseman on the squad. And He's playing, you know, he's playing more minutes than he should to 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 have six or eight penalties in a game and still log twenty four minutes. That's also super concerning. So the fact that that Coach Green is still rolling him out shift after shift after shift, it makes you wonder why a guy like Troy Stetcher is only getting like eleven, twelve, thirteen minutes a game.
4: Yeah, I think I think green comes from the era and and green's done a good job and i I don't think he's outdated as a coach whatsoever i think he's a good coach but you tyler myers is the only guy that if he plays a certain style can offer you that on the canucks roster right now right chris tanev is would be the next most rugged defenseman am i missing somebody maybe edler yeah edler's not he's not rugged guy whatsoever though right like he's I I I think Edler's better than than Myers for the record but oh, I, yeah. what I'm saying is that if Tyler Myers plays a good hockey game that's a, that's a something that no one else in the Canucks can offer you right so yeah and especially in the playoffs where the game does get a little bit heavier they need him to be very good against St. Louis so hopefully he got the yips out a little bit there in the in the first round he moves his feet and then you mentioned graph control Ted that's exactly right he he, he uses that long stick but you, it can be a bit of an enemy to you when you have such a when you can reach out and touch somebody so easily with your stick it's so tempting right it's that much more likely to get into somebody's skates or you know so you know
1: what though you look at the same as far as a long stick and like chara you know there's the tall guys that get those exemptions who had the longest stick back when uh you know chara was Willie d Willie Willie mitchell Mitchell, exactly bill pickle and he, he was able to utilize that stick and he was one of the better defenders in the league. Like as far as what That's he awesome. did, his stick work was next level. And that was yeah. one thing that made him so dangerous on the Canucks back end. Whereas Myers has that same size of stick, but he's using it in all the wrong ways. Yeah. Clone so, a rocket though, so he gets a pass. Right? It's you know what? Yeah, and we still we're like okay him. With that. Yeah, Exactly. Plus he's so. super tall. <laughs> he's good guy. He is. Guy. So so Rip, um last yes. time you we were on the show, you uh you were dangling uh uh, a little story about uh, it's funny I use dangle because usually when you dangle a goalie, you leave a jock strap uh, on the ice. So you're promising us um, this fabled jock strap story. Was it from the Canucks training camp? I don't know if
4: I, I, when you say fabled, you're pumping it up too much. I covered the Canucks training camp in 20. Oh boy, Bo Horvat was there, so I guess twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. Does Perfect. that sound right? Good enough. Was that a bit? Was that his first? His first yeah, he was yeah. yeah. Oh no, because Jake was there, so it might have been sixteen, seventeen, early okay. early twenty sixteen. The Canucks came up to Prince George, and it was awesome to get to see some of those guys behind the scenes. Uh, see how they deal with media and quite honestly deal with a lot of the media from Vancouver, whether it be Murph or Tony G or, I mean, Botch was there. Yeah. All, all the guys were there. So that was really fun. Squire. <laughs> Squire, hey. Right. Whatever he was doing. Hey, Troy. Yeah. He used to call me every day because we were a global affiliate and right. it was a nightmare. Um, bless his heart. <laughs> so it's just we, sweet little. We've guy. actually
1: got Squire on the line now. Yeah, fair fair. Barnes, yeah.
4: I could take Squire. We're not worried about that. um <laughs> All of Global's sports crew, in fact. Anyways, um, yeah, so, you, I mean, you get in the room a little bit, uh, and it's just kind of funny seeing the different gear. You know, you get the young guys and you get the old guys. The Sedines, of course, were there. I'll tell you what, you know, the thing that struck me, which was really funny, was Chris Higgins. That guy, that guy had a chubby face. Do you know what I mean? He kind of had that those big cheeks. He that made up for with it with his, his abs. With his tarp off? Oh, yeah. my. That guy was a men's health model. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and then you look up at his face. Age. He looked like he got stung by a bee in the face. And then he had, <laughs> <laughs> he had We're never outs. gonna
1: get him on the show now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, great, actually, great guy. Because, you know, there's Vancouver media there, of course, and then there's the little old CKPG, and, and the Sedins took their time out. Oh, and there was a one media guy. I think he had a YouTube channel. His name is Smoke Stark. What? Yeah, I don't know what his real first name is. Smoke Stack, Smoke. Stack. And he had the raspiest voice of any human being I've ever met, and all he had was an iPad, and he was trying to get one-on-one interviews with all the Canucks. <laughs> he would hold the iPad up to their face, maybe six inches like, from their face, and like ask John them Cusack, and give them Prince George trivia and oh. poor like Daniel Sedin's. Like, I can't give you anything. I've right literally now. never been high. here. <laughs> yeah, like it was, it was really fun. Actually, one more story about that: John Shorthouse and I, uh, we went for a couple beverages a couple adult beverages and got to pick i got to pick his brain a little bit fun little fact about shorty who i think has emerged as a top five play-by-play guy in the league
1: oh for sure uh, okay.
4: he's he's fantastic i, d- I don't want to say the best because i don't hear enough well of what so is the best though whoever well sure i mean we know the worst right i think jack edwards is the worst or whatever <laughs> you know boston's guy's horrible generates uh classic anyways Shorthouse, normally guys have to climb the ladder, right? As you guys are doing, you're the number 40 podcast, and you'll be number 38 before you know. But so in play by play, it's the same thing. You start in major midget, maybe you go up to junior B, junior A for a couple of years. If you're lucky, a Western League job opens up, maybe then the East Coast. John Shorthouse never called a game of junior hockey before he went up to the National Hockey League, which I had no idea about. I don't know if you guys wow, knew that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, stunning, I just right? I assume like the
5: Brennan Bachelor
4: path, obviously, right? For sure, good BCIT guy. The the so short shorty that I guess he was up for the job when Robson was leaving, and so was Dan Russell, and everyone knows. Oh yeah, uh, sports huh? talk baby. Yeah, exactly. Ten yeah. ten till midnight. So yeah, yeah. we all grew up listening to him, and I guess short, I guess Russell would had been on his show and said he was kind of the leader for the job, and said a couple inflammatory things about some decision makers within the Canucks organization. And they decided to go with Shorty who had never called the junior game. So to this day, isn't no that crazy? That... Yeah. Anyways, jock story. I can't remember whose jock it was, but um, <laughs> there was a, there was a,
1: was it in the rafters? Can we start there? Like, was there a, and Patrick Watt was there a dangle? The,
4: the, uh, you see the young guys who have all the brand new gear and then some of the older guys, uh are really loyal to their old gear ed jovanovsky wasn't on the team at that point had a famously old cup the same cup his entire career i think Sidney crosby's cup is the entire same cup since his rookie year but one of the old guys had an old cup and they hid uh one of the young guys um (laughs) protective equipment and he couldn't get his hands on anything to wear and he was all panicked it was um what is his name cracknell adam cracknell oh yeah yeah, yeah big boy right he yeah was, he, he, was like, he
5: had that great goal song when he scored it was the, when they were doing the was it like the country or something? Yeah, it, they, yeah. had a, they had a goal song for every single guy so when cracknell scored he's he played feels like the first time <laughs> oh that's pretty good so, yeah that's, that's good that's, the cracknell thing
4: though that's good i like that so, keep going so, so i so he poor guy he wasn't like a young young guy but pretty young he had to wear one of the old guys put on one of the because it was split into two ice items. oh no <laughs> And that was the talk of camp. Uh guys were guys were I mean there's nothing worse. Maybe mouth guard. I would rather wear a guy's cup than mouth guard, but uh that would be next on the list. So not, not and then I saw the cup after. And those cups look oh. I don't know if it's been peed in before, but they all look like they've been peed in, if that makes any sense. So it was Yeah, the other uh, yeah, yellow and, and tarnished. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. think. I
5: couldn't think of a worse item to wear. Possibly a helmet, but those guys no. need new lids all the time, right? So the buckets
4: aren't the same as if I was to wear yours. Yeah, and the helmets they wear aren't, like, they don't... They're not the helmet you and I wear either, right? Like, so, uh, yeah, it would be a man's cup, I imagine, would be the worst, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's I, I wish i could remember whose cup it was one of the old guys i'd have to go back and think about it
5: but... i mean what yeah so cracknell would have been older right he would have been like a yeah, 26 a, 27 yeah, year old exactly yeah he was in the western minor league and, or... yeah yeah he, he ended up being a, a Vancouver giant maybe
4: i think he was a, a kootenai or something oh, okay. yeah maybe yeah, maybe he might have been with the giants at one point i think he was the guy that had to wear one of the veterans cups and that was sort of like his his experience can so. you imagine rolling into camp as a rookie and
5: then not even a rookie. You're like an established pro at this point. you're 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 Adam cracknell. You've, you've got, yeah, you've got six, eight years of pro hockey under your belt. <laughs> and then and then, lo and behold, you're rolling out there with the D squad and you're wearing Murray Barron's cup, like how bad would that be? And just, I hope, and
4: I hope it was Cracknell now. Maybe don't tag him in this, yeah. uh, in Twitter, and, but right. and not just
1: wearing it. Like you're skating around for a full scrimmage in that thing, oh, yeah. knowing full well, like you, yeah. you know, like the mental feeling you have, like not just the actual feeling, but you're going around and you're just thinking like, I, like you're thinking of all the things that are going on right now on your body and you're like no this when
4: a a drip of sweat goes down your leg you're not sure who it belongs to yeah it's not yours anymore yeah you're adding to that yellow
5: tinge
3: the
4: media was talking about it up in the like up in the in the booth too like (laughs) sakaris or somebody is like yeah here was here was cuppy swearing like it was the talk of talk of the the
1: So good times very good times oh my goodness that uh (laughs) what do you say to that what do you You know what there i guess well i was gonna say there could be worse things but that's pretty high up on there on worst things
5: um and you have some family that played some like pretty high level hockey um i think it's your cousin cam right he he played some echl ahl stuff did he ever see any stuff like that did you ever hear
4: any stories distant cousin distant cousin i never really talked Mm -hmm. to him about it um my uncles both played pro in Germany, so they've got some. Those stories are like closer to criminal stories, and not things you want to tell on a podcast, you know. Sneaking out of like you get inside arenas you know, to get away from you know all sorts of situations. what a different world it was back then too. Crazy, right? yeah, playing in the '80s in Germany and whatnot. So um, those are, those are funny guys to sit around and have beers with, but. Yeah, if you've if you've spent some time in a in a dressing room, there's there's nothing better. I mean, you saw the videos from the Canucks, I think it was JT Miller who introduced the starting oh. lineup there. That video was if that doesn't make you just wanna if that doesn't make you love hockey, right I'd there, run I'd run through a wall and I'm not even on the team. Yeah. It just gives you goosies. It makes you want to get in there and uh there's nothing better than being part of a hockey team. So anyways. Rip. I'm gonna get emotional, you know? You know what? This has been uh can we ask one thing i know you got to wrap it up okay but i want to hear your guys thoughts because i think we don't have Braden here uh but he's gonna listen so that's fine it's not about him lafreniere is gonna go to new york right yes where number 11 is retired Mm -hmm. should mark messier
1: reverse number he should be 11 (laughs) upside down
4: (laughs) Uh, it's still the same (laughs) If you remember when Marc Messier came to Vancouver, number 11, I believe, was retired. Uh, yeah. It, was, well, it re- was unofficially retired. Wayne yeah. Mackie. Mackie. right? And yeah. he said, I want that retired number. It wasn't retired. Like, he was the guy died. I know. I know. But that was no one was wearing 11 no. until Marc Messier came and wore it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you not think that Wiener should say to Lafreniere, you can wear 11? I'm, I hate Marc Messier. Let me just put that out okay. there. Wait. So, um,
5: Wayne so with or you. Mark I'm so with you on the hate Marc Messier Track. Yeah. I mean, coming back to 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 sue a franchise years later on character defamation and
4: you know all this bullshit. I mean, there's and so many potato good chips, not that good.
0: Yeah,
5: well, I depends mean, on the flavor. Well, they're be good. Fair. I like yeah, but okay. neither here nor there. But Wayne Mackey's legacy was kind of a shitty thing, and I think a dick move to for Messier to pull when he when he walked into Vancouver. Aside from upseating the current captain and having him <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> having him go about his merry way. But I don't think it's the same thing. I don't think – Messier is what he is, but he is what he is to the Rangers. Yeah. And that's so much more than he is to any other franchise. So I don't think that I don't think that they're going to allow that to happen. I don't think lefrenier is going to even go there. No. I don't uh, think that uh, conversation um... is even going to be had. But, yeah. I mean, it's not the same. I, I don't – anytime you're talking about a player who's got a number retired who's like top two, top three all-time in scoring – he Has done what you've done for that franchise. I don't. It's just not going to happen. And and I would even give it to. I would even give it to Mark on this one. Yeah, so I that, hate that Mark. So. <laughs> yeah, I hate him too. <laughs> that was, that was the whole him. thing, like... here,
4: anything you said, I just hate Mark the whole time. What no, a, I'm what You're Scott, absolutely what Scott right. Scott. It's not the same. But that guy comes into an organization, takes the C, takes a retired number of a deceased player, and now. I just think it would be the ultimate hockey moment if the Rangers were like, ah, let's give it to the kid. I think be because
1: because he's I mean, the guy hasn't even played a game yet. Mark Massey yeah. had already established himself as again, at that time, one of the yeah. greatest guys to ever play. And I, I hate Mark yeah. Massey too, and I am on that bandwagon for sure. At the same time, he did a lot of amazing things in hockey and like, you know, you'll talk about one of the best leaders as far as his hockey sure. goes. So sure. for him, for Lafreniere to go and ask for number 11, I mean, he might. I mean, he oh, at the I'd same time, might be a, the yeah. agent might have a conversation, but, you know but what? it's at, not going to get very far. At yeah. the end of the day, like, what is this? As good as he has been in junior, what has he done? Like, he hasn't played a single pro game. And there's so many guys that have come up through the ranks. And, you know, there, there are some exceptions to the rule. And sometimes a player is just so good that, you know, you give him it. But at the same time, nobody was wearing 87. Crosby made that a number. There's, there's plenty of guys that, you know, like number nine, like Gretzky, uh, was it, um, Gordie Howe was wearing, was it nine, right? At the, mm-hmm. And so he went 99. Like th- there's ways to create your own legacy. And if he is that good, he's going to find a number that fits him as a, as his pro identity. And I think you're going to see that happen with whatever that number is. Again, I don't know. Who they've retired in New York, aside from Richter, Messi, is it, uh, is Adam Graves up there? Uh, Brian Lee, yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe
4: Martin. There'd be, a, there'd
1: be a, a, handful a handful of them, for sure. Yeah, Marty Biron, I think, has his number.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is, I'm going to segue uh, one last question, sorry, about no. retiring jerseys. We, you know, the Sedins, obviously,
1: what's the next Canucks number that should be retired? I don't know if they should have one retired anytime soon. Like, Ring of Honor, I think, is a different story. I I still don't... As much as, like... Jersey retirements are just the ultimate. Like, that, that player has done, like, beyond anything else that could be accomplished in a number like that. And there's really only a couple guys in the history of hockey that probably should have their numbers retired but is roberto luongo not the one that would be
3: ring of honor make an
4: argument for but like it's
5: the
3: number one
4: there's an an argument there but the real
5: number that's going to get retired next is 43
1: (laughs) we got it we got some time (laughs) we we have some we have some time we're actually going to retire it we think so much of you you need a new number yeah, Quinn should just give it up now yeah, so yeah. they can just, hang it up. Just hang yeah. it up there. Remind me how great my rookie year was. Give me 44. We'll try a new number next year. <laughs> See if I can beat out Todd for another year and we'll call it a day.
4: I'm not going to be on this podcast until maybe ever again. Uh, fingers crossed. I get back on. But who's, who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Hmm. Ted, you... This you is going to go down forever on podcast lore. So De- let's hear, Stan- depending let's hear on the, the, the series. Ted, Wh- go for it. Who beats who? go for it. Ty.
5: I think I think if I'm picking if you're if you're going to give me two teams to take I'm I'm taking my two chances on
1: on both Vegas and Carolina. Carolina looks real good. Yeah. Yeah, mm. that's my shot. I'm going to go I I like what Carolina's done. I think they're Carolina or Columbus, but I'll I'll go with Carolina as well. I think uh Colorado's going to come out of the West though. And out of that as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to go with Carolina. Like I think they're going to pull out their second cup. And Cam Ward is going to be jealous.
4: That Carolina, you guys are stealing. I wanted to pick something different because I love what Carolina did. I'll take Philly losing to Colorado. Oh, that'd okay. be a good series
1: too. Gritty. I love, is Carolina
4: Gritty allowed in though. the bubble?
5: Yeah, but kill McCar though. Jeez, suspect. Nathan McKinnon no, is I'm just, one I'm beautiful. full of, shit. Landy, I'm full of shit. That's a great pick actually. We'll see. Um, Hey, quick question. Uh, Who do you, what number do you think Lefrenier is going to wear? And, are the real winners here, the LA
4: Kings, for getting to just walk into Quinton Byfield? If they take Quinton Byfield, they're so loaded at center. I know it seems like an obvious one because we're Canadian and a little bit more exposed, and he's number two on 90%. Um, but they their center depth in the, in the minors is crazy, like maybe the best in hockey right now. So would it shock me if they took like a Tim Stutzla, who seems to be... To be or the third, you know, the third rank prospect. No, it would shock. It maybe shock me a little bit. Um, I think the big loser is Detroit, who yeah had twenty three less points than the next worst no team, way. and they get the Ottawa. They get two picks. Chances, I mean, Ottawa, 100% chance. I mean, yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah, but Detroit was so far and away the worst team, and they don't have a top three pick.
3: Yeah,
4: Ottawa has. Ottawa is going to get a combination of like a you know, let's say a Stutzla. I bet you they're kind of hoping Byfield falls to them, of course, because a big centerman would be awesome there. But a Stutzla and, like, a Marco Rossi or a Stutzla and a Jamie Drysdale. Like, they're not – they're doing fine out of this. Detroit got killed, and L.A. is laughing. So it's an interesting draft. I think somebody's going to reach on uh, Sanderson, who's kind of the second-ranked defenseman. You never see – teams that need a defenseman will go for it, even if there's – you know, I think that Sanderson was like number sixteen two months ago, and now he's number he's seven or he's, eight he's or something. Definitely this year's big climber for sure.
3: Maybe yeah, they trade I don't, May
4: I don't know if he warrants it that much. I mean, you think he's good, but I don't think he's like a game breaker. So does so LA trade down? On...
1: Does LA trade down then? No, I don't think that they'll trade down. But if they don't, if they don't need Byfield, yeah. Realistically, then, I mean
4: with that's with a massive... Timeline, yeah, it depends what they're getting. Their timeline. I mean, they got all they're rebuilding very much. Like their their prospect pool is is maybe the best in hockey right now isn't so, that
5: just a, a a super short-sighted way of thinking though when you're talking about players that are two three years out from time to time I and mean, it's great that they've got a bunch of players in the hopper and they're ready to go but
4: okay can, can you not just take the best player available and manage your depth no no doubt but i think that we are saying that i think that's assuming byfield is clear in a way better than stutzla and i don't know if he is I think he is, I think he's like a, a more valuable player because he's a centerman and those always seem to be valued slightly higher than a winger. Of course, they can impact games more easily, especially a six, five, one that can really skate. But that's Stutzla. I always try to put it through that filter of if this guy was playing in Switzerland or Germany and, you know, and Stutzla was playing for the Canadian junior team and we'd seen him since he was 13 on YouTube yeah how do we look at that a little bit differently and i mean Stutzla is so clearly i've seen him at 2 on a number of mocks mostly 3 though you're right i i don't think he's way behind byfield so um i think la probably goes byfield and says yeah we just added like a complete Kopitar for the next sure. yeah i mean i think Akil thomas who is a really good player right one yeah. of the, i think he's the like their fifth or sixth ranked centerman in their pool heck right? of a player yeah like they're they're loaded so that um Mike Futa was like their head of scout and he's done he did an unbelievable job I don't know they dusted him recently so we'll see what they do I mean I I love the draft I get so excited I love getting the hockey news as much as you can just go online now there's something cool about getting that hockey news magazine and going through the prospects it's a great
5: read on the can so (laughs) I I love the draft too obviously is there a steal that you're thinking about in this draft I mean obviously that later on that might've been a guy like Cole Perfetti who wasn't ranked in the top 10 for the longest time. Yeah. He's a
3: stud.
4: Yeah. He's a stud now, but who do you got as the potential steal for, for the draft? Well, I don't know how far back, how early a steal can be. I love Seth Jarvis. I think Seth Jarvis, who's a Portland guy. Uh, he's supposed to kind of go mid, like kind of late teens. It looks like in a lot of, in a lot of mocks. Uh, I think that guy's awesome. I've seen, I've seen him play a few times and he's climbed a little bit. Um, I think I think you'll see him on the world junior team this year, and everyone will fall in love with him. I think Jarvis is a good player. So who, go. I don't know where who's picking in those spots right now. I wish that in the lottery today, they had done all of the teams. Yeah. Like yeah, why you know didn't they do that? Yeah. Why didn't they go picking seventeenth, picking sixteenth, and then when it comes down to you're either ninth or first? It kind of adds a little bit. I don't, you know.
1: Yeah, that's the NHL. I think they they had it, and then all of a sudden that the draft lottery team was the one that won and that's why they split it up. Otherwise, I think they would have had it all in one, most likely. Well, it sounds like we have our potential
5: draft guy for when we decide to do a draft episode. So I think maybe that might be something that's on the horizon.
1: So around Christmas time, we'll have you back on. it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hurts my heart. It's
4: going to yeah. be so weird, yeah. Be. yeah. I think you might see some guys looking to go to Europe as well. it be interesting to see because with the Western Hockey League or the Canadian Hockey League in general, not happening until at least december if at all we'll have to see how that looks um it wouldn't shock me if they if they have it under control in a sweden and they'll take you in september and you're a top prospect you know what do you what do you do like do you, you can get a some... bunch of players that go that austin math Mass- i was like just austin gonna Matthews say yeah. exactly yeah, I mean... or the guys like the lucas raymonds and the the um the stutzlas and all these guys i mean they got a chance to really improve their stock like that's the other thing about that byfield pick that la pick if Stutzla comes out next year and gets to play three months of hockey and looks pretty darn good it's cool though i mean you get to see physically some guys can mature in that eight you know that 17 18 year old range when you go from june and let's say the draft is six months later i mean what who falls because they look the exact same physically or who climbs because suddenly they're 15 pounds heavier and you know so yeah we'll see
5: uh, I think you know guys like Raymond who can go play in in Sweden and not take up a, you know a, a, an, an import roster spot an yeah. import roster spot that's going to be a boon. But a lot of those roster spots are also going to be taken up by like you know AHLers like Lucas Jacek, for example just signed in in the Czech Republic, so he's going to go back home and play. A lot of these guys, uh, you know, that are Euros and he'll have out clauses to go right. back to the AHL if anything ever changes. Right, so there's only so many spots to play there's only so many players that can play in them so it'll be interesting to see what these what these young guys are going to do when it looks to get them some playing time because who knows what's going to happen for them in development we only know so much about what's been played so far
6: Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.
4: For sure. Yeah, well said. Well,
1: Rip. All right. We're gonna bid you adieu. This has been, again, always a fun time. Like, Thank you for having I, me. I like seeing that George Clooney face of yours. And uh, <laughs> well, we're 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 dreaming about better days. Hopefully, Ted's about to spit all of his pop or beer, or whatever he's got in his mouth, <laughs> and I'm just trying so hard to make it happen. But hey, someone
4: uh, very close to me, when you say George Clooney, I know you're poking fun. But uh, someone very close to me said, "Do you know who you look like?" And you know, we've all heard that in our life, right? Like you tend to get the same people over and over and over again. Some are complimentary. Some are ones you wish were a little bit more attractive. And I was like waiting for something good. And they said and, Johnny Knoxville. Uh, <laughs> she said, she said, you look like the dad from Glee. And, uh, and I'm not a big Whoa. Glee guy, but I looked it up. Fat, bald guy. Ouch. Oh, no. Yeah, well, she wasn't kidding. So stay humble.
5: You know what I, I mean, fellas? <laughs> I, recently, I recently had an experience like that. Yeah, somebody came up to me. And what like, did they say? You, you know who you look like. And I was like, "No, like who? Would you tell me." And uh, they were like, "Oh, you look like like Dave Nelson or Dave Andrews or something like that." And I was like, I, "Who's that?" And they're like, "Oh, it's just like a dude I know. Do you know that guy? Or are you guys related?" <laughs> and so that was like a complete letdown because it was neither good nor bad. I can only assume that he was handsome. Some random Dave Nelson.
4: Dave Nelson is the one. Hey, the Dave, all the Dave Nelsons I know are hot. There you go so i mean take it i wish someone <laughs> would tell me i look like a dave nelson you know what i mean
1: you look like about a half nelson that's about it oh there you go. i'm a dad joke anyway this has been a blast thanks so much for coming by and uh when's the next time you are coming to kelowna
4: um we're gonna go play at the harvest you and i and see how many balls we can punt ob along those vineyards yeah, Cross hand it, baby. whatever you say how about how about end of the month done see you then Next time I come on, I'd like to talk about people that buy hats at gas stations. And uh, <laughs> I hate
1: those people.
5: <laughs> well, this could possibly this could possibly maybe this is the foursome. So we got we got us three and, and, and one more to go golf Predator. How about that?
4: Yeah, if only you guys had a, a third member of the
3: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if only well, there was. I'm someone. not gonna
5: name names. I don't know if Brady golfs, but we got a we got a dude, somebody who can jump in on that.
4: Perfect. All right, fellas. Thanks
1: for having me. Hey. Okay go uh go do college things i, I don't even know what that means <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that yeah. out yeah, okay. you we'll another one? yeah let's try that <laughs> yeah. again all right thanks buddy okay thanks, thanks guys. guys okay
2: this wide open
4: one reason i do these podcasts is so i can hear all the
2: amazing things about myself so thanks for having me and now i'm
3: signing off i am uh, honored thrilled this is uh, one of the greatest achievements of
2: my life i literally i i, I showered and i combed my hair for you
3: <laughs> well, we appreciate
2: that
1: so we've got uh, I think our premier guest of episode 50 he's known as a few things Rick from Newport scoops Um, (laughs) Rick from Rick Dollywall is the guy we've got and uh, he's on the PP1 podcast and we couldn't be more thankful he took time out of his busy schedule he made a special accommodation for us and uh, we couldn't be happier Rick thank you so much for joining us this is a blast already
2: Rick from Newport I love that you know (laughs) Uh, that's Thomas Drance, uh, because I called him assistant GM of the, the Canucks. That's right. Cause he thought that, uh, they were going to get Markstrom at five and a half million. And I told him that's not happening. So, uh, get out Mark, of town. yeah. And Markstrom's agent is Pat Morris. He's a, he's a big, big name agent. And, and he, and I think that it's going to take six, uh, is, uh, is the number I think it's going to take to get Marky done. I guess. But that, that's why he called me uh, Newport because <laughs> hey, Newport's got half the Canucks, so I have to know these guys. There they you got go, half the Canucks roster.
1: So Rick, let's just go into that really quickly. Obviously, the COVID has changed some things um, as far as a flat cap. Um, it's also going to probably limit a lot of GMs of what they potentially could offer Markstrom um, once he gets uh, to to that new contract. Does that mean that the Canucks maybe get? Can potentially offer him less or do you think that he still holds that that value as they have to offer up money or he's going to walk
2: oh hey listen uh it's going to be fascinating uh, buckle up uh, your seats uh, uh your seatbelts it's going to be fascinating what happens with jacob markstrom if you look if they can pass st louis markstrom and tannum the stock's going up it, it's just going up i just feel uh Top goalies, top six, uh, top six forwards, and top four D are going to do fine. Uh, flat cap or COVID, I don't care. I think those guys are going to do fine. I just think that the Canucks, in order to sign everybody, they got to get rid of some bad contracts. They got to get rid of them. It, look, if they can free up four, five, six million, then you can go get everybody done. But the biggest thing for me is can they get rid of some bad contracts and free up some cap space? Because if they can, then I think they can get to full if it and from all done.
6: There you go. Speaking of bad contracts, I mean, Brandon Sutter's been playing pretty well in the playoffs thus far. Um, do you think, uh, regardless of his play, is he the best player to be buying out in the offseason?
2: Yeah, that's a great uh, question. Uh, because uh, when you hear about players that the Canucks could potentially buy out, he makes the most sense. I think Sven Berchie's there as well. I think Berchie's a guy they could do. I think Sutter's a the guy they could do. But you nailed it. Sutter was great in the Minnesota series. As soon as they put him in the uh, third-line center role, and I felt in that first game the Canucks were too young up the middle. You know, that's a great player with a great future, but you got three centermen that are all young and you're in the playoffs, you need some veteran-savvy type guys. And you know what? Sutter in the third in the third-line center role makes so much sense. But you're right. When they sit down, uh, uh, Braden, and when they sit down and they decide how do we clear a cap space, he's going to be a guy they're going to look at because there's only one year left on his deal, anyways, right? Yeah. So there's only one year. So he could be. Bergey's another guy that they got to try to find a move. And uh, obviously, Eriksson, everybody knows he'll try and move his contract through the NHL draft as well.
1: I don't think they can move Erickson now. <laughs> he's too valuable on this team.
2: Yeah. Well, it, it, that, isn't that amazing about Louie? Every time you write him off in the city, he finds a way to get back in. And, and you know, he didn't look. Uh, I got to give the whole team credit against Minnesota after that first game, Travis Green. Hey, guys, give him credit, man. They played well for all four lines. The defense were playing good. The, obviously, Marky had the one rough game. But, the, hey, every time you write Louie off in this city, he comes back and he contributes in some way
1: somehow some way so you're talking about the centers so now that we've finished a series and brandon setter obviously contributed massively in that game uh, game four does adam Gaudet slot back in at all or is it a wait and see with him
2: oh, that's what a that's a great question i've been racking my brain here's my problem with adam Gaudet back in the lineup go look do yourself a favor go look at the st louis blues roster Go look at it. I don't and want to. And you're gonna have to put guys <laughs> six two, six three, six four. Yeah. Two hundred this is one of the biggest hockey clubs in the National Hockey League. They're massive. They're massive. I I'm gonna keep back with in the lineup because of the size. Uh where else? Uh, where who does who spot God? Like, well, you know, yeah. <laughs>
6: exactly. Yeah, there's no room for him right now unless you're maybe moving Ericsson, but Erickson's playing too good. It is also worth six million. So I mean, <laughs> tough call there.
2: And Zach McEwen, guys, I'm not taking him out. I'm not taking him out against St. Louis Blues. Go look at that roster. They got one guy under six feet. Go look mm-hmm. at their line. They're all six three or six four. I'm gonna keep Zach McEwen in, but boy oh boy, how where do you where do you find a spot for Godet? And I feel bad for him. He's mm-hmm. a great he's done well this year, but man, this is playoff hockey. Travis Green wants to win. you got to ice the best lineup. I'm having trouble finding a spot for him right now. against yeah.
6: yeah, I mean, I guess the other player you could maybe look at is Jake Furtanen, but just speaking about the size and like Canucks need that size to answer back, um, he wasn't, in my opinion, he really wasn't that great in the three games he's played so far. I mean, the fight was good, but uh, only under eight minutes of ice time, he's got three total hits, zero points. What are your thoughts on Jake and What can he do to you know, be better in round one here?
2: Love the fight, I, I, I absolutely love the fight. I love what he did there. I, I honestly, guys, um, that was for me that was good for Jake to do that. But you're right, he's not getting a ton of ice, he, he's not getting a ton of points that uh, you want him to hit. But again, we just talked about it. I'm in the biggest lineup against St. Louis. I, I really, I'm not taking Jake out, I'm not taking Jake out. But I'm, if I was Travis, I would try to find a way to get him some more ice, he needs more ice. These guys that were uh, picked high in the draft in minor hockey, they're the ones going up and down the ice. Deep can do five guys. They're the ones scoring 50 goals in junior. He needs ice. He's just not getting uh, the ice time, Jake. But I think if Jake and Travis can find him a little bit more ice, get him to the 10, 11, 12-minute mark, I think you're going to see more improvement out of him.
1: Do you think they're going to be able to What's get him nice? that many minutes?
2: Well, it dep- first of all, it depends on the game. Yeah. Is he on line? So, and, and if, but if he's if he's the kind of guy with his body that if he could plaster somebody early in the game, get into the game and Travis says, holy shit, he's in the game I'm going to give him more ice time but you know that fight? That was early in the game, wasn't it? You mm-hmm. remember it was early yeah. in the game?
6: It's about three minutes in, I believe, his first shift
2: He put something there that I was like, oh, that's awesome and, but you know what, right now, Travis is, uh, and don't forget there are a lot of penalties to kill in that game too yeah. a lot of penalties <laughs> Thanks to t- uh, Mr. Myers. But anyways, a lot of penalties to kill. So you're, you're moving. You know, Tyler Mott's getting a ton of ice time. Tyler Mott is the guy that I was impressed with, guys, in that first round. Just his mortar never stops. He never stops moving his feet. I love Thank this. RFA. I think, I'm just saying this, I don't know, but I think he's a guy that's earned himself a little bit of uh, a term on his next contract. Not huge, but I think he he can ask for more than a one year deal. I think he's and, earned his and key. And loves him. Uh, Jim Benning uh, got him for Thomas Vanek. That was a good move, guys. Uh, you got to you got to got to got to get him credit on that.
1: The dividends are still paying off on that one. You're talking about yep. the defense with Tyler Myers, and we'll get into that very briefly because we spend too much time talking about him already. But there's three guys that are essentially looking at one spot: Ulevi, uh Jordy Ben, who is now returned, and I don't know if he gets to play potentially for game one, and then Oscar Fantenberg. Three guys, one spot, because clearly Kyra Myers isn't coming out of the lineup. So, how do, how do they dictate that? Obviously, Ole Ulevi isn't going to be that first guy, but he hasn't exactly done anything for the games he has played to warrant no. necessarily getting knocked out, but Jordy Ben's a safe option as well. Oscar Fattenberg hasn't looked electric, but again, you know, he's kind of steady, Eddie. He's not going to really kill you too much, but who, who, who does Travis put in? Have you heard, have they said anything?
2: Fattenberg was at practice today, so that's a good sign, right? I, I'm not putting Ole Levy in, guys. Seven minutes of NHL time. You got to protect his minutes. You got to really watch who you put him out there we're in the playoffs you're playing the defending Stanley cup champs you can't have a defenseman in there with seven minutes of nhl ice time and then you got to protect the hell out of him and make sure he's out there with the right uh, the opposition right lines guys i see Fattenberg in there tomorrow night i see jordy ben being number seven but i I, i'm really worried my biggest concern for the canucks right now is that they get no injuries on defense dave yeah exactly They were lucky as can be. Unfortunately, Toffoli and Furlan got hurt. But I'm going to tell you something right now. They were – I'm not going to say it, but I'm just going to say it was so nice that they didn't get any injuries on the blue line. That's my biggest fear because Jordy Ben's there. I like that. But after Jordy Ben, you got uh, Ulevi, Chatfield, and Rafferty, three very young, young guys with not much NHL experience. Man, I'm petrified, especially – if the Canucks get an injury to a top four defenseman, I'm really worried after that because their top four D played well against Minnesota and led by the kid who's just a phenomenal uh, uh, hockey player. But I'm going to tell you, I'm really worried uh, about their blue line and blue line depth. If they can get through the St. Louis series healthy on the blue line, that's a really good positive. Yeah. Yeah.
1: R- Rick, one and more. Just, th- Sorry, Brady. I just want to follow up really quickly. You're talking about injuries, and I mean we've all ragged on Tyler Myers. He's taken the most penalties in the the prelims, which are, I mean <laughs> you you can't ignore it. That being said, though, that being said, and I don't want to see this happen. You never want to see a guy get injured, and we'll just single him out for a second. If Tyler Myers were to get injured somehow, is that going to affect the Canucks in a negative way, regardless of the minutes? As f- the, the depth of that defense, is that going to hurt the guys behind him getting moved up? Or is it going to be straight across? I, I, I don't really know. What is your take on that?
2: Look, if you're on the right side, if Myers gets hurt, you know, the great thing about Jordy Ben, he can play both sides. He can play right side or left side. That's one of the major reasons they signed him is because he's versatile can play both sides. If Myers gets injured, Jordy Ben's going in on the right side, so they'll be okay. But all I'm saying to you is, a lot of those penalties, Myers will say to you, chintzy calls. Some of them were reaching. Some of them were bad. But I'm not going to label every single penalty on Myers as bad. Yeah. I don't think he played super, super bad in Minnesota. There was a couple of calls that he didn't he, – the referee, I would say, were chintzy calls. couple of reaching. He's a tall guy. Hey, I don't think we ever appreciate how hard it is to play hockey being that tall, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, you know, Chara, him. All these guys, it's really hard. But you know what? Uh, Tyler Myers has got for a tall guy. He can move. He can skate, and he's got a good stick. He's a good stick header for a tall guy. But yeah. you know what? I don't. That's one of the guys I don't want to get injured right now, Ryan. I'm telling you, let him be in there. I think you're going to see his penalties go down. I think he'll be fine. But the key for me is Jordy Ben getting back and being the seventh guy, because I don't want you Levy to be the seventh guy.
6: Yeah, I like that, man. Um I'd like to switch things up and ask you a bit about the injured players right now, uh Tyler Toffoli and Michael Ferland. First of all, like what are your thoughts on the Michael Ferland situation?
2: Uh good question, very sad. Uh, I did talk to somebody who said he was doing fine over the weekend. Uh clearly it's 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 the same things that bothering him uh that were bothering him before. Uh this guy's a warrior. It, you know, People were ripping him for the fight in game one against Minnesota. I, I disagree. It's in his DNA going back to the Brandon Weekend. Yeah, totally. it's in, Those guys that fight and claw their way to the National Hockey League, you can't tell them not to fight. You can't. It's in their DNA. It's who they right. are. It's who they are. I Was I surprised he fought? Oh, yeah, big time. His agent came on TSN 1040 uh, with us about four, five, six, seven weeks ago and said he's not going to do that anymore. But it just tells you, this is a warrior. This is a guy that sticks up for his teammates. This is a guy that's been doing it since he was a 16-year-old, 17, 18, and Brandon in the Western Hockey League. I, you know what? You know what kills Michael Furland the most is, is he never got a chance this year to prove mm-hmm. to the Vancouver Hockey fans and management and, and for signing that big contract with the Canucks he just got no traction this year, right? Remember in training camp, he got sick. He got yep. the flu yep. right off the bat. And, and, and then remember there was the game in Abbotsford with the, in the, where the Heat used to play. Uh, you know what? He just got no breaks, no traction from day one. And that's what kills him because this is a guy that wanted to show the Canuck fans what he's all about and show management. You made the right call by signing me. I'm just saying to you right now, uh, Braden, here's the deal. Go home, uh, Michael Furland, talk to your family, take a break from hockey, and do what's best for you and your family, I think. I, I think that's the best-case scenario right now. Um, the issues with him before, uh, Brayden, uh, that night in Utica when things didn't go, uh, vision issues, tracking the puck, that kind of stuff. So I think, uh, you know, I just feel for the guy. I, I really do. I really feel for the guy. I think this was a good signing. It just never from day one of training camp. Yeah, he just poor guy, never got no traction at all.
6: Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, uh, we hope him all the best, and it's just a waiting game at this point. Um, do you have any inside scoops on uh, Tyler Toffoli and, and what's what he's doing in that boot?
2: Tyler Toffoli, uh, he's in a walking boot, and uh, if you Google Chris Tan in walking boot, it, it's it's not nice because we know that Chris Tan has been in a walking boot four or five times in the last four or five years. I'm mm-hmm. just saying you when you're in a walking boot it takes time uh he has not skated since that day he didn't skate yesterday he did skate today uh i've just been told day to day uh but man oh man when you're in a walking boot that 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 just i i i don't know what it is like some people got four to six weeks and then somebody told me two to four and then now it's down to day to day uh hope and pray at some point in the next little while he can start skating again
6: was there any sort of situation where it actually, do you know where it, where it happened? Or Because I don't remember it actually anything on the ice, never seeing anything. And then all of a sudden I found out he was hurt.
2: Braden, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. it you know what? If it was a slap shot and he got it in the ankle and, and, he's, and he's crawling to the bench, we could all say, okay, that's what it was. But it, it, it doesn't look like to me it was a, a puck that hit him. It, maybe it's an ankle sprain or something like that. I don't know what it is but I just know that once you go in a walking boot, that's not good news, you know? And and you think about timing, eh? Toffoli could have had a massive playoff, You know, and he's a UFA. Think about that. But if the Canucks ever beat St. Louis without him, that tells you, you know what that tells me is the Canucks young forwards are starting to figure it out and starting to get better, better, better. I I just, uh, I feel for Toffoli. It just looks like it was an awkward situation, and, uh, I just don't, I, i I've been told day
1: to day. So, so Rick, um, those are two guys that I was, uh, inquiring about. We covered the injury side of things and because this is what we do in Canucks nation, everybody yeah. has all this time in the world to think about stuff. So you've got Michael Furland, you've got Tyler tofoley, one guy that's just inked a, a decent deal that, you know, has some term to it. One guy that's hitting, you know, restrict or right. unrestricted free agency. So, Let's just say, for the sake of conversation, we've now got a guy that's indefinitely out. We've now got a guy that's hitting UFA. The guy that got injured, Brock Besser, is now back. He had a really good first round, and that's yeah. who was uh, brought... Tyler Toffoli was brought in. So now, all of a sudden, you've got a little bit more cap space. I mean, we saw it in 2011, how all the injuries magically worked out. But right. now you go to a free agency and you think, hey, we've got a few extra million dollars to spend. Are... Clearly, the Canucks are thinking about every situation, regardless of, of them wanting to have to think in these terms. But realistically, we're living in a world where, you know, an injured player on long-term IR means dollars to the cap. Yeah. Does that mean that they can hold on to potentially one or two more guys because of that? Like, what, what have you been... Is there any talk of this, or is this kind of pushed away till we're all done?
2: Well, it is kind of pushed away till we're done. I think a lot of the agents don't even want to talk contract right now because their clients are in the playoffs and they're kind of like hey just ch- shut up the contract talk but I will say this the Canucks do want Markstrom, Toffoli and uh, Tanev back it's common sense these are three really good players what well, the goalie is the two-time MVP Chris Tanev go back to the overtime goal against Minnesota go look at the video of him when he entered the uh, the dressing room did you not see the players go nuts the oh yeah coaches- Oh, they
6: love him. they love him.
2: You know, what I that tells me? you know what that tells me? That tells me that Chris Tannev is well-liked in the dressing room. He's well-liked by the coaching staff. He's well-liked by management. He's, he's, I'm telling you, Chris Tannev is a good defenseman, but he's a better person off the ice. He's a better per. He's a leader. The young guys look up to. Him. Quinn Hughes absolutely loves Chris Tannev, loves him. And look, in a perfect world, the Canucks re-sign all three guys. Here, here's the problem, guys. We don't live in a perfect world. As 2020 just showed you, uh, with this stupid virus, life's been flipped upside down. We don't live in a perfect world. Can the Canucks sign all three? I think they can, but they, they better get rid of some bad contracts before they get get, get to that point.
6: Fair enough. Brady? Okay, um, I want to ask you a little bit about Elias Pettersson. I don't know if you saw Harmon Dial's tweet today, but it's, it mentions something about how... In Pedersen's six games against St. Louis, his line has outscored St. Louis by a score of 10 to nothing. Um, So obviously he he plays well against St. Louis. Um, Do you think he's going to have the same sort of luck against them in the playoffs or is it going to be completely different? Is he going to struggle against that big St. Louis team?
2: Well, and I know uh, Harmon said, you know, that line got, remember the first game, you go back to last year when the Canucks beat the Blues 5 0. The Blues were dead last in the NHL. They had a team meeting uh, the next day, and I think they fired the coach a couple of days after that. That's right. They played a bad, bad St. Louis team. So they did rack up a lot of points on, against that bad, bad St. Louis team. I'm going to tell you something about here, uh, uh, Pedersen. I just, the Canucks have done two things in the last couple of years. They've drafted Pedersen and Hughes. Mm-hmm. I cannot think of two better kids that they have drafted. I go back to the Sadine Twins. You know, I'm
3: going to tell
2: you, Pedersen has got every single thing the Sadeen Twins have. Good pros on and off the ice. They get it. They never want to stop getting better. Pedersen is looking at a 10 to 15, sorry, 15 to 20-year career. I could see Pedersen leading his hockey club at the age of 37 in fitness training just like the Sadeen Twins did. This guy... The Canucks did not hit a home run with Pederson; they hit a grand slam. And wow. the same with Hughes. These two are building blocks for years and years and years to come. I can't tell you how good these two picks were, but I'm going to tell you one thing about Pederson. I know he never likes to be satisfied. He's the guy always looking to get better. You remember at uh, remember at training camp two, three weeks ago, he was working on one-timers after yeah. practice. J.T. Miller, I mean, the guy's already a superstar, and then him and Miller working on you know, one-timers. He just gets it. You wish that every draft pick was like Patterson on and off the ice. I don't I, I don't really care about what he did against St. Louis. It, it, all I know is that guy is going to give it 150% every single game, shift, practice. He gets it off the ice. I think it's just it, – he, he is – I cannot say – enough good things about that guy. He's just, I I don't care what he did against St. Louis. I know he's going to show up in game one and I know he's going to be a factor.
1: I hope so. Is there a storyline that we're not hearing that's going to, whether it's, I don't know if it's necessarily in the Canucks series or uh, one of the other ones that we're maybe not paying attention to enough that we should be like, is what, what's something that's going on that maybe we're not paying attention to enough?
2: Uh, I, I don't know. I think this, this, this all this being in the bubble and, you know, home ice advantage. You know, let's say the Canucks would have lost the first game in Minnesota or they were at home against Minnesota. I just find it really interesting that that you play a playoff series and don't travel. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I just find it really interesting that both teams are one city for the entire series. I just – I always used to think, okay, the Canucks are one – okay, the Canucks split their first two games against Minnesota at home. Now they got to go to Minnesota. You know, I was thinking about uh, Matthew Kachuk and the Shifley hit, right? Mm-hmm. So, Kachuk never had to go to Winnipeg and face the boobers. He never had to go to Winnipeg and, and, and get sworn at by the fans. He The whole thing was bypassed because we're all in one city and they just keep playing the games. I just find it really weird and awkward that all the games are in one city. And and Craig Berube said, there's no home ice advantage. no. There, You know, you don't get booed if you're doing, like Brad Marchand. he can do something stupid. He won't get booed because there's no fans. And I just, I I find the momentum of going, playing on the road. I just, I don't know about you guys, but I just have a tough time with all the games in one city. I don't know about you guys.
6: I mean, it's kind of nice that we get to watch the games back to back, but you you definitely make some really good points about, The points that I never even really thought about, but totally makes sense, right? Like that's a huge thing having to go travel back to their city and deal with the fans and all that, especially in the Canadian market. Like that's huge. Um, Just another follow up question though for you about uh, something a little different. Actually, it's about the goaltending, Thatcher Demko uh, in particular. I know he's had a really great uh, few games against St. Louis. pretty lights out. Probably one of the better teams he's played against. And the Canucks, uh, they play back to backs between games three and four. Um, And it's seeing how Markstrom didn't play that great when he had to play back-to-backs. Do you think there's any chance we see Demko in games three or four?
2: Zero chance, zero chance. This, this is Travis Green. You have to go back to Utica with Green and Markstrom. Okay. They went to the American hockey league finals together. Right. And this is nothing against Markstrom. I mean, sorry, Demko, nothing. Zero. Zilch. This is a coach and a goalie who have a wonderful relationship. Go back to Utica. They went to the Calder Cup final together. Uh, the only way Markstrom comes out, my this is my gut saying, is if he's injured. You just, uh, you, uh, I, 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 he just is going to ride Jacob Markstrom. He's going to ride him. He loves him. They got a great relationship on and off the ice, uh, Travis and him. But I, the, I think the only way uh, Demko gets in is is if an injury. I really do. Uh, you just got to ride your number one. You got to ride your number one. I
6: hear you, man. I, Ride or die. Why,
2: and I, you know, and I was surprised that levy got in into that Minnesota game. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Either Fattenberg was banged up or something. I find it hard to believe that Ulevi just got in because okay, we're going to test him. But yeah. you only you only played him seven minutes, and mm-hmm. you protected his minutes. You made sure he was out against the right line, or else it could have been a disaster. But it, I, I don't want. Not nothing against you, Levy or Demko, because Demko's day's going to come. He's going to be a great starter in the National Hockey League. He's going to have a long career. I think this—the one thing the Canucks have done is—is is guys, both of you—is the character of these players. Demko's character, great. Patterson, Hughes—they're drafting character kids. Like Cole, Lynn's a good one. Gadjevich is a good one. They've got some really good drafted kids who got great character and Depco's another one of them. He's going to have a long career. He's going to be fine, but I'm telling you right now against St. Louis, it's got to be your best lineup and it's got to be your biggest lineup. That's the only chance they got.
1: So Rick, before I ask you who your uh, the next client you're pursuing for Newport is <laughs> um, just, I, let's just bring it back for a second. Um, what's, what's one of your favorite playoff memories? I mean, You've seen some stuff. I mean, I'm thir- almost 37 here, so I've only seen a, you know a, a decent amount of hockey. But there's got to be something that sticks out in your mind as kind of a favorite playoff moment.
2: I'm going to outdate myself and make you two look like you're in high school. Um, 1982 was a big year for me, okay, because Harry Neal uh, was behind the bench. Uh, they got in a brawl in Quebec City. Harry got suspended. Roger Nielsen went. Uh, on the bench, and then boom, magic. You know, uh, the the towel power. You know, Dave Tiger-Williams, Richard Berneur, Stan Schmiel, Thomas Gordini, Kurt Fraser. Um, that magical run for me still sticks in my mind as one of my favorite Connect moments because that 82 team, um, you know, and then here they are, game one of the Stanley Cup finals against the Islanders in New York, and, and frickin' Harold Snaps, it gives the puck Mike bossy of all people bossy bang bang in the back of the net and you know it was such a wonderful time ron delorme was on that team him and grant mulvey had a fight at center ice in chicago stadium uh in the western final i think it was the western final what a fight uh that team had skill grit and they just came together richard berger was great for me Uh, It was just that 82 run. I just love it. It was just, for me, uh, one of the highlights for me uh, is uh, watching the Canucks play.
1: So, uh, to follow that up, who's the next client that you're pursuing for Newport?
2: (laughs) Well, hold it a second. You only get clients, uh, just to give you a backup, Ryan, you only get clients when the Canucks acquire a a draft draft pick, right? So, they draft somebody. Fair enough. And you got to go talk to that, uh, like Rathbull. Yeah, um, he, he he drafted. He signed. Okay, so now the Canucks make a trade. You got to find out the guys that are coming to Vancouver, who their agents are. Canucks signed someone July first. You got to find out who the agent is. I don't find the agents. The Canucks find the players. I then call the agents. But uh, the Canucks acquired the player in Newport. I would say to you, Ryan, seriously, no joking aside. Uh, you got to remember one thing: Trevor Lindgren, Jim Benning. And Travis Green, who do you think represented all three of them? Newport. Newport. That's right, buddy. Newport did. Uh, Newport's had, and they're a great firm, very powerful firm. They've had, go back to Bertuzzi, Jovanowski. Uh, they've had a ton of connections. That's right. That's right. right. You know, and and it's all about hockey's about relationships. I don't care uh, what anybody says, hockey. Is the coach, the GM, the player, the agent. It's all about relationships, you know, and, and, and people talk and, and become friends, but it's, it's a great community, uh, the hockey community.
6: Okay, I got a question for you about the St. Louis series. We've got about seven minutes left here with you. Um, so, obviously, Vancouver is going to have to have their star players firing on all cylinders, pretty much all playing their A game. You know, Pedersen, Hughes, Markstrom, they're all going to have to play lights out. Um, but who is someone maybe different that you could see as being an X factor that could help Vancouver maybe get back into the series and make it interesting?
2: Uh, I just think uh, I was really impressed with the Canucks bottom six in the ladder uh, against Minnesota. If they can keep playing, I love the pushback. With Minnesota after a whistle, when, when, you know what? I love the pushback. Keep that up because St. Louis is a big team. It's, it could, God, I, I want both of you after this interview's over I want you to go and check their roster. There's one guy under six feet. There's tons wow. of... Go look at Washington two years ago. So huge up the middle of the ice with their centermen. St. Mm-hmm. Louis had a massive blue line last year. Everyone was 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". I just think if the Canucks bottom six can continue to do what they did in the last three games, I'm not concerned about their top six. They're looking good. They're looking good. If their bottom six can play that, you know what? It stick up for each other. Play that gritty style, kill the penalties, and guys, the Canucks penalty killers killed off 18 of the last 19 wild power play opportunities. Right? Tyler Mott in one game had seven assists. I'll tell you about Vancouver, uh, Brayton I t- I tweeted out uh, t- Tyler Mott seven uh, block shots. Yeah, one thousand uh, likes.
1: But yeah. everyone loves you, Rick. Though that's why.
2: Yeah, I loved it. I oh, love that's it. got nothing to do with me. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> It's the Vancouver fans. It's a good hockey market. Listen to me. When a Tyler Mott interview or no, a Tyler Mott tweet gets a thousand likes, buddy.
1: You're in a nutty that's a, neighborhood. That's
2: a good hockey fan base. It's got nothing to do with me.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, Rick, um, this has been absolutely awesome. We've uh we've made it this far. I think Brady wanted one little Follow-up, so I'm gonna let him get no in and then we'll we'll set you free to watch the end of this five OT game between CBJ and Tampa. Um if it gets to if this gets to a hundred shots,
6: going into the fifth OT, 87 shots for Tampa Bay, 85 saves. Brady oh. Brady,
1: what was your question?
6: <laughs> All right, I'll hit you up quick here. Back to Pedersen and Hughes. Um, obviously both superstars for this team, but uh say one of them goes down who's who's going to take this team further? Is it Patterson or is it Hughes?
2: That's, you know what? We have never had a defenseman like Hughes in Vancouver ever. I don't care what you guys say. I always thought Paul Reinart, I don't know if you guys remember Paul Reinart. He was so smooth. He was so good. Uh, he was such a good puck-moving defenseman. Uh, uh, we have never had a defenseman like Hughes. Come on, guys. He's leading the team in points with six. I, I, and here's another one for both of you, Uh Brady uh i'm going to tell you right now i don't even know what quinn hughes and patterson are going to get on their next contracts but i just know it's going to be a big number for both of them they're just two outstanding hockey players absolutely vancouver you, you know jim benning you can rip them you can rip him for july 1st bad signings and that has cost the canucks from dearly but he's made two good trades in the last year for me pearson and miller And the drafting of Pedersen and and Hughes, uh, you can't deny that. You can't deny that. These are two special, special players. I think Quinn Hughes is going to win the Norris, more than one Norris. He'll win multiple Norrises. This kid is – I just can't – both of them are equal to me. If one is out of the lineup, it's going to hurt you big time. It's going to hurt you really big. They got their number one center and they got their number one defenseman for years and years and years. Love it. As Thank long
1: you. as you're negotiating those contracts, Rick, I think everybody's in good hands. So, I, read, I get
2: ripped all the time because I'm pro agent and the people. Deal, Dollywell's an idiot. He's a pro agent. I don't care. Listen, and you, Ryan, your profile picture with the cockadoodle hairdo. What? The <laughs> heck, what are you?
1: What do you <laughs> for there? That that's worth the followers right there, Rick. I need to save that little comment. That's perfect. Oh, that that yeah. was. Wait,
2: that'll be by September. Picture, Get out the hair, hair clippers, huh? Get out the hair clippers. Hey, your profile picture and your picture you're right now is not two of the same.
1: I'm a good-looking guy, Rick. I can't help it.
2: <laughs> All right, it was listen, It was uh, really good. I, I take the F's out. I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, Brady, I kept calling you Braden, Brady, and uh, hey, Ryan. both work. Hey, listen. Uh, thanks. Uh, I, I. Anytime you guys want to do this again i uh, you guys do a wonderful job and uh anytime you guys want to do this again i am I'm, uh, I'm on board
1: we'll talk to you in round two or three maybe
2: all right big guy thanks well, rick Stanley Cup final. all right big guy take care thanks Aida. rick
1: brady we just had three massive interviews we had cat silverman who was a blast you weren't in on that one uh were you in on that one
6: no, I don't even I remember.
1: This has been—I mean—we recorded over a couple of days, so I can't quite remember. Um, we had uh, Rich Abney, Rip City came back for um, a recurring role, and then you and I—we got—we got the good stuff. You and I and Rick Scoops Dollywall—that was a good time. That was a great Holy time. Holy
6: hell, man! That—I don't mean to rip on all the other people we've had on the podcast, but I don't know what it was, but he was—he was a lot of fun. Like, what a great episode! And just super friendly. Like, he's going to add us on Twitter, welcome us back. To, like, he he wants to come back to the show. Just an all-around great guy. The best Canucks insider, Rick Dollywell.
1: So, like, when you go to school in the fall, and, you know, if you can't make it, should we just try to make Rick, like, a normal contributor to the show?
6: He should probably be like our uh, Louis Erickson, you know? He he plays when I'm not around, and he plays good.
1: I, I like it. Maybe I mean, he has to say yes, I suppose, but... We could dream.
6: I think, I think we can get them.
1: So I think, uh, you guys have listened to us long enough. This is probably going on for about three hours. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you're still in this far, we didn't do dudes and guys, but, uh, maybe we'll put one in after, uh, the first Canucks win against St. Louis. Um, Thanks so much for following us this far. Um, Now that we're with the Dean Blundell Network, we got some massive stuff coming. Um, I I feel like every time we record a new episode going forward, it's going to be something crazy that we're going to be dropping. Um, We got some guests that um, I think are going to, you know, shake. They're going to move the needle, and I think it's something that you just can't you can't help but be excited for. I know for me, recording this and coming here every week is such a blast with you, Brady, and obviously Ted as well. Um, but now that we've got, uh, a, a bit of support on the back end, I think this thing's about to grow. And, uh, I mean, what a year to, to make this happen. The COVID has been super weird as 2020 started, but, uh, who knew we were going to have this kind of a run that we've had. And now uh, I think it's only the beginning. So, um, as for myself, this has been a blast Brady, any final words?
6: No, man, uh, you pretty much nailed it on the head. Um, you know, Canucks are going to have a great series against St. Louis. I honestly think they're going to surprise some people. They have the talent to get it done, but it's just going to wait. We're just going to have to wait and see. So, you know, we've been doing a lot of the post-game podcasts. We're going to keep that coming for you guys and look forward to that. And, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I'm buzzing about hockey. Let's go, Canucks.
1: Peace out, Power Play One Nation.
6: Peace.
2: Hi, I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Every week since 2016, we've been bringing on broadcast leaders to talk about their experiences in radio, what they've seen, and where they believe it is all going. If you live and love radio, subscribe to the Sound Off Podcast with Matt Kundal, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score Podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, SayTheDamnScore.com.